Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. Today's episode is brought to you by nobody. Because let's be honest, nobody likes to hear ads. We all just put up with it because we think we have to. Well, you know what? I decided let's not do that for the time being and see how we get along. So let's get into what we all came here for, the actual episode. All right, folks, today we have a special treat for you. We have a podcast we've been trying to do for a very long time, and it just hasn't worked out. We have Dane Lee and Caitlin Burke back on the podcast, and we're going to talk about ADD and ADHD. This is something that they both have to live with, and I don't know too much about, so it was definitely interesting for me. I learned a lot. We had a great conversation. I know Caitlin was freaking out because she didn't have any structure, and she wanted to have structure, so she knew what to talk about, but... Unless, uh, in, in true uh, Uncensored Humanity fashion, we just kind of rolled with it. We had a great time, and it's a hell of a long podcast, but we definitely had a good time. So please, without any further ado, sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings and welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we have back with us two of our favorite guests, Mr. Dane Lee. Hi. And Mr. Mr. <laughs> Miss Caitlin Burke. Well, hello there. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to do an episode about ADD that we have, well, tried to do for months now. And then none of our schedules would kind of line up so we could do this all together. And then we all got busy with life. And then one day, a couple of weeks ago, Caitlin was like, hey, when are we doing that podcast? I'm like, well, let me talk to Dane. Let's find out. Let's fucking do this shit. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's definitely out of my wheelhouse. I don't know too much about it. So we're going to kind of let you guys kind of talk and explain how it is that you've had to learn how to cope and live with ADD or ADHD. And I know that those two terms are kind of interchangeable or are they specifically different? I don't know. They're not interchangeable. Because you hear mm-hmm. people talk about them like they're the same thing, but they're not the same thing? No. No. Okay. There's there's hyper, the hyper part is the difference. Like ADD is attention deficit disorder. Okay. And you have attention deficit hyperactivity mm-hmm. disorder, I believe is what it is. Okay. So and what's that, what's the difference? It brings the energetic part of it, I believe. I'm not like a... A mad scientist. Well, of like, course. Knowledge I mean, yeah, none, of us, none, none of us are experts. This is what but we yeah, know. it's it, from what I know, like it, it's it it exhibits differently in males and females. A lot more males show more of an energetic, like physical kind of side. So if you have ADHD and a child, you'll be the one that like is jumping out of your desk all the time and running around the classroom and like, like a just, normal boy. Yeah, times the, ten. Yeah, but the, the, you when you when you see it, you know, like oh my god, the kid literally never. <sighs> never sits down there's a difference between like oh he's just hyper right now and that kid literally never sits the hell down you know kind of thing and i know in females the hyperactivity a lot of the time if it's not exhibited physically um it's like a mental Mm -hmm. rush like so internalized what what, what do you mean so they'll it'll it won't look like you'll you know i've heard people tell me like oh my god you're so organized and you're so put together and then i'm like in my head i'm like are you out of your fucking mind i am going crazy in here (laughs) like when they say there's like 
it feels like you have a web browser open, but you have like 17 tabs open at the same time. I'm like, this is literally <laughs> what my brain feels like all the time, but it doesn't. It's not a physical hyperactivity. People can't physically see yeah. that. Yeah. So, it's so they mis- just assume that everything's fine. It's misdiagnosed in women a lot more. It's missed a lot more, especially in adult women, than it is men. Like they're, I feel like you, they can, they exhibit a lot more physical symptoms. But bring your mic down a little bit. You're trying, you're breathing the mic a little, little bit there. Thank you. Okay. You sure it's not you? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm notorious for it too. We we all are. It's it's okay. <laughs> I yeah, don't but know, but that's... Right now, I've got... Right, yeah, spoiler alert. If you can't tell already with the sultry sounds of my voice, like I've got the uh, Ohio heads. We went from 70 degrees to fucking snowing the next day, so I'm all congested and everything else. And, You're just the Barry White yeah. of this podcast It's right just... Now. It happens every year <laughs> in the fall and the spring. It, when the weather changes, it's just how it goes. Heck yes. <laughs> I'm into it. But yeah, no, I don't want to get down on any tangents because like, I will go down wormhole after wormhole. But that's... So, like, that's my female But that's one of the reasons why we don't have a structure, which I know scares you a little bit. <laughs> but so we can go on those... I need structure! So we can go on those tangents and it's just like okay cool like wherever the conversation goes it goes and if we have to rein it back hopefully that's what i'll do is my job to kind of moderate a little bit yes. and keep keep things kind of on track or bring back to the points that we were talking about so that's kind of the whole idea okay well that's so. my i would like to see what what your perspective is because i know that's my female perspective but i'm curious to know if you know anything differently i guess about what i don't know so one of the things that i have been told about it that I think is at least in part an explanation for like the male female uh, aspect is there's this social acceptance that you know boys are going to be boys so if they're hyperactive we might tell them in order to like get them to calm down but not to entirely stop what they're doing because there's a certain level of acceptance like oh they're just you know they're being crazy but with girls, and again, just in my experience with it, it's not accepted. Like, you're not supposed to act that way. So it becomes very internalized. So if they do have ADHD, they learn what's called a masking mechanism or a coping mechanism. To hide that it. Way. Right. So all of it becomes this internal chaos, which I think it's really funny. I shouldn't say funny. I think it's very interesting. I just use those two words interchangeably. But when you say, like, I need structure because like, I feel the same way. But even the structure is like it's fear based. We're like, what do you I, mean? I'm terrified that I'm going to like get off track, and mm-hmm. I know what happens. And you'll find me three hours later. Where it's like, well, I organized that closet, and I took care of the dishes halfway, and I started this other third project. But what I really needed to do were these like three other things. And then you go back to those three things. And you're like, well, before I start that, I've got to do this one thing. And you realize you've lost the entire day. Mm-hmm. So you have to have structure. Because without it, it's just nothing gets done. Now, is that just you learning how to cope with what's going on in your own brain? Or is that just trial and error, like understanding yourself personally? A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. So what I've learned is like there's seven different kinds of ADD. Say what now? Yeah. Um, and I'm they, learning so yeah. much about myself. <laughs> seven. Seven. So there's the classic ADD. Um, which is characterized by like, the inability to hold attention on one thing, like the attention deficit aspect of it. it the- now, you hear people talk about that in a, in a point where, like, let's talk about, like, people in school. Mm-hmm. Like, I could give a shit about school. Like, when I was back in school, I didn't care. Like, I could memorize stuff for a test, so I, I had good grades. 
you know, and I did, I did fine, but I just, I didn't give a shit. But then there's things that I get into that I'm like super hyper focused on. Is yeah. it like that kind of thing or is it a different kind of thing? Kind of. Because I think, I think a lot of people have that where they're just not interested so they just don't care. But right. if you show them something they're interested in, whether it be sports or an activity or art or whatever, like they get like hyper focused. Mm-hmm. So these, what I like about what I've read about it is that the studies that they did, they use this thing that's called Q, uh, QEEG. So EEG is an electroencephalogram. So it like maps the electricity in the brain as activities are going on. And what the QEEG does is it brings it up in more of a visual so you can see it happening. So it's sort of like a low-level MRI okay. of the brain. And then they have them perform tasks. And what they know is like the ADD, like they can't stay on it at all. They're not hyperactive. They're not moving around and fidgeting and everything, but they can't keep their attention or the areas of the brain that should be active when we're focused. It's like, it just doesn't happen. There's areas of your brain that are the focusing part? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it depends on what it is that you're trying to focus on. Okay. So that actually moves into the next couple of them. So there's one that's uh, limbic, limbic ADHD. So in this case, you have an overactive limbic system. And so that's your fight or flight response. Okay. So these people, like, they have a lot of anxiety that they carry through them uh, or carry throughout the day. There's a lot of uh, internalization of stress about things that they're not really sure why, but their body is constantly overactive in that area. I know that's like a lot of people who are really driven at work or things like that. I know for me, like, a lot of it is that's that exact thing mm. in the sense of like oh god i'm i'm letting my coworkers down i'm not doing yeah. enough that last project wasn't good enough like that constant like not thinking that i'm performing to where i need to be and so there's that there's that anxiety of i have to stay here longer i have to put in more hours i have to you know be this person you know kind of thing and so there's this constant sense of like if i'm not on my shit you know i'm I'm lesser than or yeah. something like mm-hmm. that. So there's, there is, you know, I can, I can vouch for that for sure. Cause yeah. that happens a lot. And it's the same thing in, you know, out of a work sense, if it's a personal relationships, anything like that, you know, you do get panicky of, you know, you, maybe you don't want to go out that night, but then you're like, God, if I don't go out, you know, they're going to hate me and they're going to think that I'm like the worst person ever. And then you have this whole fear that like starts deciding, you know, making those decisions for you. Instead of you like re- pulling it back in and listening to yourself and kind of going, you know, with what you need to do, you let the fear drive yeah. you and make decisions. Okay. And it, so what's been challenging is describing that to people. I think that it sounds similar enough to what a normal brain would do <laughs> that they can say, oh, yeah, like I do that sometimes. No, that's all the time. Yeah. It is literally every fucking moment and you get caught in these rabbit holes mentally that you just go down and you're like, well, this, if I do this and this is going to happen, then that's going to fall apart and then this is going to happen. And you will spend so much time just being overwhelmed by that. Um, the other one that is uh, temporal ADHD. And so like there's a temporal lobe that we have. That one ends up messing up with like time management. Um and like I fall a little bit under that one, but they have. You're laughing because I'm sure that you have. <laughs> I'm like the girl that got here 45 minutes late. Hi, that's me. <laughs> but I'm wondering. I just I know this is an out of order question, but like, 
because this is the first time I'm kind of learning about all the different types of ADHD or ADD that there are out there and, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing like, you know, I have a little bit of all of these. So mm-hmm. do they do they work together? Is that yeah. okay? I was like, am I supposed to only have one? Because maybe there's something very I, I wrong would, with I me. would assume it's a lot like personalities. <laughs> like you're not ever just one thing or another. You're always like a mix of a bunch of different things. Oh, yeah. Because when I heard him say he doesn't have much of the time one, I'm like, fuck, that must be nice. That's one of my worst ones. I couldn't oh, no, time... See. I don't have much for the temporal okay. because the time <laughs> management part, like, I'm awful. Okay, good. Like, I showed up on time today because I had, like, seven strategies ahead of time in order to make sure that I – and I was so proud of myself. Like, I'm looking at the GPS coming here. I'm like, oh, yes, I'm going to be on time. Yeah. So you know what? You know, I'm, I'm feeling bad thinking, like, shit, I should have texted him to remind him to be here. You know, my pa- you know my problem was I have it set for eleven in my calendar, but in my mind I was I was like, oh, I, I did that to myself on purpose for that to be my leaving time because we're recording at noon. So once I got in that that cycle, that's why I texted you. I'm like, I have a weird feeling. Hold on a second, mm-hmm. and you're like, nope, we're starting at eleven. I was like, shit. But well, in, it's funny. My morning had already been like the direction of my morning was already going. Planning on the noon, and I yeah. couldn't break it. I was trying. I literally was trying, and I couldn't fucking break the like I was. Already already on this mission yep. and so i got here at 11 40 i was like yeah that was the time i was gonna get here for when we were recording at noon <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because when we were first talking about scheduling the podcast like normally we record at like 10 in the morning mm-hmm. and you're like no nah, it's fucking way too early he's like oh what, what about like 11 or 12 i'm like all right let's do 11 and then you sent back a, a text of like okay well i'll be there at 11 and then if it's at noon then i'll just be early or whatever it was so it's like Looking back uh-huh. now, it's like I can see your brain working. It's like, uh-huh. oh, okay, you were planning on 12 and then giving yourself some time, hopefully, to maybe be a little early. But Yeah, and I just yeah. fucked it all up. And, then, yeah, that's, and right. that's the other thing is like memory, which I'm sure you'll get to. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's just I'm like, yeah, that conversation, now that you say it, I'm like, yeah, that, did, that was how it went. But in my head, I'm like, we said noon at some point. <laughs> like, that's Those the part I remember. That, that's what stuck, yeah. <laughs> yep. That's right, because we were just hanging out, watching some Nebraska volleyball, and then bullshit. And so. <laughs> it worked out great. Yeah. Um, the, the temporal. So temporal. They also have issues with like auditory processing and memory on that part. So auditory like, how? I'm not sure. I didn't okay. fully understand okay. it oh, on that one. But I feel like I. The, the idea when you said auditory processing is the idea of like trying to have a conversation in a, in a bar. Where everything's overwhelming because of all the noise. Everything sounds exactly the same. Like I can't hear your voice versus like I can't separate yes. your voice two feet away from me from like a conversation that I just happen to pick up on from somebody sitting at the bar twelve feet away from me. Like you're merging in my brain. They get equal hear, amounts of attention. Yeah, I'll get two or three words from him, and I'll get five words from over there, and I'm staring, and I'm like, I know I'm, I know I'm supposed to be paying attention to you, but like, there's, there, it's like sensory overload when it comes to audio mm-hmm. in situations like that, like Christmas time when you're walking through a loud group of people, and there's Christmas music playing in the background, and like, it almost turns into like that hum of a vacuum cleaner. Where it just, just kind of, it, it yeah. just all becomes kind of ambient and nothing really sticks out that you're particularly supposed to be paying attention to. And so it can be very like people oh, will man. call your name and they'll be like, hello, hello. And I'm like, I didn't even know you were, I yeah. had no recollection you were even trying to call me. <laughs> okay. So that's what, it, when yeah. you said audio, I'm like, wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I was having a conversation at one point with my sister and I was describing, actually I was going through a Target and I don't know if it was around the holidays, but it easily could have been. It is so overstimulating 
from an auditory, not even like visual, just like auditory perspective, because you can't not hear everything. Like, I don't understand how people can go through a store or the mall and they're like, well, I, I didn't notice that there was a group that was talking or I didn't notice what was playing. I didn't notice like the baby that was crying. It's like all of that's <laughs> happening. In the meantime, the person that you're there with is trying to have a conversation with you and you're splitting your attention 27 different ways yeah. because it won't let you not hear all of that. And it just becomes this mess. And it's exhausting. Yeah. I When you say that, like, like it's, it makes me laugh because, like, we, the things you described are very, like, obvious things. Mm-hmm. But there's things like you hear, you pick up that one cart that's two rows over yeah. that's got that squeaky wheel, wheel that's doing the, <laughs> er, 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 er. and I'm like, that's literally, my brain, like, zeros in on that noise, and that's all I can hear. And I, I just, I want register. to, like, grip something. Like, will someone fix that fucking wheel? <laughs> like, oh, my God. Or, like. Someone drops a, a sale tag or somebody, you know, dro- you can hear things dropping on the floor. Like, it's like literally, it feels like you're a deer in the woods, like, mm-hmm. watching out. Like, it's weird. <laughs> I, I get done going to the store and it's like, I'm drained because you end up, like, I'll hear people having this conversation and I feel myself like being dragged into it and you like start to respond to you it. You mean like emotionally or... No, like you'll hear two people having a conversation about something and you go to respond as if you're a part of it because oh, yeah. as oh, far have... <laughs> yeah, as far as your brain is concerned, like you're right there with them. I have made so many so I have made such an ass out of myself so many times like responding to people or like being like, "Oh, I know the answer to that. I should go tell them something." And then they look at me like I have seven heads and Ooh, I'm like, "Jesus Christ, Keelan, just get the fuck out. <laughs> just walk away from these people." Cuz I'm like, "Who who are like you feel like you're standing there in the conversation like yeah, yeah i could just tell you exactly what you need to know but in reality you're like you're just this weirdo who walked over from two aisles over that they've never seen before in their life yeah who's offering up advice on a private conversation like yeah cool thing bro uh, <laughs> see you later <laughs> gotta go we and we embarrass ourselves a lot there's there's a there's a horrible horrible like it's a story that has haunted me but it's one of those stories where like I can't possibly go back and explain this to anybody because they'll be like okay like whatever but it's one of those moments that just god damn it you know and and it was after it was after the, the passing of my grandmother and I think it was the first holiday season that we were really having without her being there and she was she's a huge staple in how we celebrate with um how my family's laid out up here in Ohio. So with her being gone, it was kind of just a weird there was like there was an obvious weird gap in like, well, what do we do? Yeah. You know, kind of thing. So there's a lot of that energy in the air. And I, I noticed that my we were all sitting there in the living room and my dad has this ring that he wears. And I just noticed it's one of these he doesn't ever wear rings. He's a machinist, you know, and so when he pulls out certain rings, you know it's like the special occasion ring or, you know, whatever. And so ADD brain goes down this tunnel sitting there on the floor and I'm just kind of like eyed up with my dad's ring and I'm kind of just looking at it and I'm thinking about how much I know it means to him and how much it would mean to me and like the passing of my grandmother and like all these like tunnels but what it comes out as is I asked my dad I said can I have this ring and he's like what like right now I was like no like when you die (laughs) I just realized that like Nobody else was part of anything else that was the conversation going in my head. Like, nobody else knew, number one, what the fuck I was even thinking about. 
right. to get there. I'm like, I just sounded like the creepiest, most like murdersome probably person to my family. <laughs> just like, can I have this ring like when you die? And it was so awkward because like my cousin like was sitting next to my dad on the couch. They both kind of looked at each other and they were like, okay, like let's go get a beer. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Oh my God. And I just like never wanted to curl up in a hole quicker than that moment ever. but here's the th- but here's the real <laughs> thing though it's, that shouldn't be a big deal i mean there might be a more tactful way of bringing that up but it's be like hey i know that ring means a lot to you i would really love to have that someday like whatever like i get that that might be like a better way of bringing it up but the fact that he was like hey that's weird it's like but is it really because like we're all going to die. The, it's, the, it's going to the happen. presentation of, like, we're all sitting, like, on the floor at Christmas time, like, waiting for dinner to be ready and, like, talking about, like, Christmas carols and, like, what we want for Christmas. And, and then all of a sudden, I'm like, can I have that ring when you die? <laughs> like, it's like, it was like that. I'm sure it didn't come out <laughs> like that. <laughs> In your like head, it. maybe, but. <laughs> oh, it felt like it. Okay. But it's. it's just that classic illustration that happens in different scenarios over and over and over again because your brain connects 13 different puzzle pieces that like make total sense to you but make no sense to reality and then you end up like saying something over here like you could i could be like hey do you guys remember like those dinosaurs or like i really like dinosaurs and you're like what the fuck are you talking about and i could be like oh well he just said something 10 minutes ago about a road trip and that reminded me that i went on a road trip and the coolest thing i saw on my road trip was this dinosaur park which had this really cool dinosaur in it but out of my mouth i just asked do you guys like dinosaurs? And you have no fucking clue how I got there. Do you recognize it when other people do it, though? Oh, yeah. I 100%. Lo- yeah. And I, and then I look at them, and I'm like, where, where'd where you go there? What path were yeah. you just on? I'm very curious. I want to know where you went. So my uh, parents will end up doing that. And uh, you know, you'll just say something very, very random. And my mom will just stop and be like, all right, so explain to me how you got there. Because she knows. That's a fair question. Yeah. But she understands, like, something happened within the last however many minutes, and she's curious on what was the journey of thoughts. And as soon as you lay it out, she's like, yeah, that makes perfect sense on how you went from, you know, this thing, and 13 steps later, you end up over here asking, like, do you like dinosaurs? But you don't realize that other people don't do that. And if they do that, they don't, they have enough impulse control that the question never comes out of their mouth. Or they'll explain more of the thought process to bring it like a more of a roundabout conversation, I would think. They might realize that, okay, I need to yeah, get some context to, here. Yeah, more more explanation. Mm. I think it also, how you were saying like 10 minutes later, it's not soon. It's not an immediate thing. It's like all of a sudden during this conversation at some point, I would ask about Nebraska volleyball, which was like an hour ago. You're like, we weren't talking about that. I was like, yeah, but I've been thinking about it for like 60 minutes. And it's like, it's been connecting all these different thoughts. And it just like finally spewed out of me. That's, it's an everyday thing. Yeah. And again, it's, these can, it can be exhausting, but it's all like that one in particular, it can be embarrassing. Oh yeah. Because you have moments like that where, whether it's justified or not, the reaction that you see the other people do makes you feel like well there's something wrong with me oh yeah it's all fun and games when you're around family and friends and people who are going to give you the benefit of the doubt or ask you how you got there but like when you're in a professional setting or you are you know in you know for me like if i'm let's say a networking event just for shits and giggles as an example i get 
so much anxiety from like that kind of small talky I know know I'm stepping into a situation where I'm going to be very uncomfortable because I'm going to be very overwhelmed in a lot of different categories. And I have a lot of fear of like making an ass out of myself or wearing the wrong thing or not knowing what to talk about or whatever. And so I like force myself to be in those situations and everything. And it's like when you say the wrong thing, you're like, oh my God, I just want to go curl up in a ball Mm -hmm. and die right now because you're like, how do I recover? I can't excuse myself i can't you know it's like so it's it's hard when like you don't really ever have a chance to just truly relax into it because i feel like you're always practicing like for me at least like i'm practicing like what i can say yeah with friends and family so i know fuck if this happens in a professional situation or a otherwise real world situation where there's not somebody as forgiving on the other side like how do i recover from this and like for me like I've I've learned that like falling back into humor a little bit seems to kind of save me because I've learned I've had a slightly charming personality with certain people over the years. So if I make an ass out of myself or something, I'll just I'll just own it or I'm like, oh, that's embarrassing or, you know, and just kind of like and that seems to be that that I almost feel like that's the best way to go about it. Just face it head on. Like take your lumps and like learn how to laugh at yourself. So many people are so uptight that they literally can't laugh about anything like like about themselves because their ego won't allow that. But at the same time, depending on the situation, I've I've recognized recently that I need to not make myself look like I am having an issue to other people. That's the fine line. What, is, what do you mean? So by saying like, oh, God, that's embarrassing. Or, you know, you're admitting that you're almost saying like, hey, I've made a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I haven't. My brain just works differently than yours. So I just ended up here. And what I'm realizing is I'm saying things to make everybody else feel comfortable and I'm not pulling it back to what I need. Okay. You're placing so their needs before I, yours. I absolutely am. Yeah. And so that's – I'm trying to figure out now how I can get the both the best of both worlds as my resolution in that where I'm maybe – I'm still maybe poking fun at it, but maybe I'm poking fun at it in a way that doesn't put myself down, but maybe also educates the situation or – you know, something like that. So that's the other thing is like, you know, when people are like, oh, like, you know, oh, squirrel. It's like, oh, haha, funny. But it's like, it's not, it's really not that funny because like you're making it sound like it's this really, really childlike, funny, I can't pay yeah. attention. Here's this shiny object. And I'm like, I wish you could fucking have this for an hour. You would drive yourself insane. Like you would literally probably go insane because of how, how much your brain is actually moving. And so, like, it's a comfortable balance of, like, always, like, just making sure that, like, you're you're coming back to taking care of yourself because you are constantly on these, like, journeys of, like, being aware of your surroundings all the time because you're so hyper aware of everything going on mm-hmm. that you're, like, some people are like, well, why do you think about everything else? Like, just think about yourself. I'm like, it, you can't not think about everything else. Like, you literally yeah. can't. Being present is next. Like, have you ever had moments where you felt really, like, centered and pre- like even just one moment where you felt present? That's why I'm obsessed with nature. It yeah. happens so incredibly rare that I yep. like. There's been like a couple key points in nature where like I've been at the perfect place at the perfect time where like there's been enough things happening to pull me to the center of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Like. The sound of nature was perfect. The light was coming through the trees at the perfect time. You know, I am a photographer, so, you know, I have to hyper-focus on 
the settings of my camera and like that kind of moment because I'm being forced yeah. to think about it. But outside of that, it's incredibly, incredibly rare for me to feel like I am actually paying 100% attention yeah. to like what's happening in front of me right there. It and, doesn't happen. And when it does, it feels so weird that you almost think something's wrong. It's like, I don't have all the voices in my head. I don't have all the thoughts in my head. I don't have all the tangents going on. And as calming as it is, it's almost sad because you think this is how other people can be all the time. Well, yes and no, right? Because I don't think most people nowadays can be present. I think a lot of people struggle with that. Look at people's addiction to their phones. Mm -hmm. Like most people can't sit down like this and have a conversation for as long as we're going to go, an hour, two hours, 20 minutes. So it doesn't matter. Most people are on their phones. They're looking things up. They're checking their email. They're looking at butts on Instagram. Like what, whatever it is that they're doing, it's like but they can't just focus on the conversation. So I, I think that a lot of people struggle with that nowadays. I mean, to see someone who's actually centered and present is, is rare. Mm -hmm. But I think the difference is people if if they want if they if they really wanted to choose to yes. you know yeah that's you can, the thing is you yeah. can i've seen people who are on their phone constantly but if you if they're at their 95 year old grandma's birthday and they're an italian family or something that boy does not have like they don't have their phone out you know they're like there nor should they it, you know what i mean yeah. but that that's the difference is there's the choice they're, they're able to turn it on they're able yeah. to and that's what i think a lot of it is is like you know like today like yeah of course i chose to sit here and do this podcast this is fun like I enjoy getting out of the house and stuff like that. And a week ago, like this was like the best idea ever. I woke up this morning and I was in a horrible, horrible, horrible depression kind of mood this morning. It took every ounce of being in my body to get going, to get showered, to get ready. And if you, if I wouldn't have planned this, there is like, I wouldn't have been able to just like make myself be present and like get myself in the, like the action and like get down here. Like, mm -hmm. It took a lot of energy out of me to do that. And like, I'm happy I'm here. And that's usually the case, which is weird is like, once I get going, once I leave the house, like yeah. the energy shifts and is I'm it, good to go. Is but it the like, fear of like talking about it or not knowing what we're talking about? Is it that kind of fear of, cause like I've, I've tried to get my grandma on the show forever and she will not come on the show because she's like, well, this is professional. I don't want to broadcast myself out there. I'm like, well, first of all, I've got like dozens of listeners. So, like hardly anybody's going to hear it. But <laughs> but I understand where she's coming from too because once it's recorded and put on the internet, it's out there for fucking ever. So I understand that side of it as well. Because mm -hmm. I still think there's lots of beneficial things we could talk about, things that we have in normal conversations. But is it that kind of fear of just like having the conversation? Is that why you were freaking out this morning? I don't or are you just having it... a bad day? I think it's a mixture. So, like, I think, like, re like lately, the temperature changing, getting closer to Christmas, you know, there's a lot of, like, emotional changes going on with me and, you know, changes in my life over the last year and memories and things like that. So, sometimes, you know, it just hits harder than other days. Yes, yes. And so, that, though is part of the problem is when you have something trigger a certain emotion, it doesn't just stay in its corralled area. It, it branches into everything. So even though I may have been excited about this podcast because I'm affected now negatively or emotionally like depressing and some other facet of my life, it's now, you know, worming its way over here and making me feel like, oh my God, like you're going to sound like an idiot on this podcast and no one's going to listen to this and Matt's never going to invite you on this thing again because you're a piece of shit and blah, 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 you know, and it's like, 
what? Like, why? Like, no one's yeah. ever said that to me. You have invited me on this thing plenty of times. We're like, that's obviously not the case. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, like, like, you're one of my favorite people in the world. Like, I love you to death. So the more times you want to come on, like, come on. Like, I, like, I tell him all the time. It's like, I love our conversations. Like, like we need to get together more often because mm-hmm. we just have fun, interesting conversations. So, like... Anytime you want to come on, you are more than welcome. But that's also like a lot of the internal work that I've done over the years is being able to recognize that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it's a lot of it's a lot of in general not being self aware across the board. You you think of yourself in one way, and then you kind of picture yourself in other ways, and you realize that the way you were thinking about things may not always be the correct, like the way that everybody else is kind of looking at it. And in so by kind of paying closer attention to myself and that kind of thing. Like I am learning more about who I am and how I respond to different things. And something I've realized is that my atmosphere, my actual physical space that I reside in is a direct correlation with my mood. How so? So right now I have been really swamped at work. We have a shit ton of stuff going on. We've got new retail spaces opening. Like, so I'm doing like a lot of extra work right now, which is, fine because i'm excited and i know it's not going to be forever and it's yeah, only sometimes a you gotta put your head down to get it done exactly it is what it is. but the problem with that is i have not had good balance with my work-life balance okay so now that spills I, over in everything right? i have half of my bed is filled with clean laundry that i haven't put away i feel like i've been cuddling with a fake human being made of blankets and clean laundry for two weeks i need to vacuum my i've got stuff all over the house i've got dishes on the like not only in the sink but they are extending out on the counter and i just realized like should i need to cook oh let me just clean that one pan that i need for this meal again so i can just be added back to the pile afterwards and so i don't i can't see the the tornado of a mess that i'm making while it's happening but every couple of weeks i'll stop and i'll just be standing there looking around and i'll be like holy fuck how did I let my space get so like bad. this? Yeah. And then I get overwhelmed by all. Then it just looks like, oh, my God, there's so much I have to do. And clutter in my space makes my anxiety go crazy. So it's like this constant cycle that I'm in. And like I know I'm recognizing the cycle, which is nice. It sucks that there's a cycle, but it's mm-hmm. nice to know, okay, I'm in this part of the cycle, which means the next part is probably going to be this. And that's when, like, more recently I started making the characters of past Caitlyn and future Caitlyn because I have moments of weakness where I I know my body's telling me, like, don't be lazy. Go put that away where it needs to be put away or go actually take the laundry out of the washer and put it in the dryer so it doesn't sit there and get nasty overnight, you know, and I'll not do it. And then I'll tell myself, Caitlyn, go set up future Caitlyn for success. Like, be past mm-hmm. Caitlyn. Make sure Caitlyn, you know you're going to get pissed in the morning when you find that laundry. Like, And so I've been trying to, like, coach myself through those moments. But it's it's not – it's hard. I don't but, even See, I don't even remember how we got here. I just went on a wormhole tangent but for this, the last but 10 this, minutes. But this is good. This is the fun stuff. <laughs> Please, take over. <laughs> <laughs> I No, I didn't mean that. <laughs> exactly. Thoughts. Just thoughts. Um Though so it used to be things that I wanted to ask about on, because you mentioned the, like, if you had an internet browser open oh, up. Hold on. But before you go into okay. like a totally different tangent here, mm. we were we talking need about. notebooks so we can, <laughs> I, seriously. I started using uh, Notepad the last time that I was, last two times that I've yes. been here. Because yeah. I have to get I, my thoughts I understand. Down. We were talking about, like, the seven <laughs> different kinds of, like, oh, ADD. Oh, God, yeah. We got to, like, temporal, and that's, like, as far as we got. 
So, do you want to talk more about that before yes. we start something new? I'm going to sure. try real hard to shut up and take notes on my phone. So what did we say? There was the classic. You're here to talk. You need to talk. But I'm getting him off track. This is how this works. But this is okay. We're trying to make him no, successful. No, 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 This is good being content. able to finish his list. People are enjoying this because everyone can understand like where you guys are coming from. But for most people, like like myself, those it's only moments of our lives. Like it's not all the time like mm-hmm. you guys have to deal with. So for me, it's like holy shit. Like I didn't realize like how bad it was. For someone who doesn't think the way that I think, because I think the way that I think, I don't think right. the way that you two think. Like it's just, it's just different. I, it's, it's not that it's negative or positive or good or bad. It's just different, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So like these kind of conversations are the fun part, which is why I don't like to have super hard structure. But if we want to bring it back before we leave everybody hanging too much, sure. let's talk more about the different ones before we go on to something different. So what did we say? There was a classic ADD. We said limbic. We said temporal. Um, another one is over-focused. So one of the things that is confusing for people is often that they think, oh, you have an intention, you have an attention deficit, meaning you're in able, you're unable to actually focus. Like, no, 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 we can hyper-focus on something if it captures our attention. And then we're like stuck in that for hours. Oh, and yeah. you come up out of it and you're like, holy shit, what like, just happened? Yeah, where's, where's to the my point day of yeah. quite literally, like, when people are like, oh, I can zone out. I'm like, no, no, no. Literally, unless you set an alarm on your phone, you will forget to eat. You will Even forget then, to pee. Yeah. You will forget to drink water. You will literally forget to do anything for hours. I, hours. <laughs> so one that people can relate to fairly well is I would play uh, video games in high school, but it was Nerd. only like one... <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Proudly. <laughs> so only like one day a week though, because I would be- in You would f- know yourself. Yeah. yeah. I would be there for seven hours and I wouldn't have any idea what- I would be sitting there like, I have to pee. I have to pee. I have to pee. And it's like, no, I just I just need to get to this next safe point. Um, mm-hmm. And it was only when it became an absolute emergency that I would be like, okay, I, okay, I got to go. Because you can't tear yourself away from it. And, you know, the video game, like I said, is one that people can relate to. But, like, that idea, it's not obsession. Like, I've had things I obsess over, absolutely. But, like, you get so fixated on something and time is just gone. Like, until you... You forget to actually think. Like, you, for, for quote-unquote normal thinking people... You know that there's this outward reality that's mm-hmm. also happening like, oh, dinner time is getting close and I should probably put this down soon to go make dinner. Or like you have these extra thoughts. When you're hyper-focusing, it quite literally is like you are zooming in on that topic and that specific topic only. And that's literally all that's in your head. So you don't even remember that you have to pee. Your body is literally like knocking like... I'm about to come out of your body now. Can we go to the bathroom? Yeah, and that like overrides. <laughs> it like overrides hyperfixation because other than that, it's literally not present yeah. in your brain. I would I was part of this book club when I was in middle school and my mom, as much as she loved that I was reading, hated when the books showed up because You would get hyper focused. I get hyper focused on this book. I was gone. Like I would sit on the couch and read and like three hours later she's like, Dane, we, we have dinner. You need to come eat. Um, and it was so hard to get me out of that. I didn't want to. And like, that's that over focused aspect of it where that people don't recognize. And it's almost like you take all of the focus and attention that most people like spread out normally throughout their days. And then you take all of it and you concentrate it on one thing. 
for like one short period of time and then you've used it all up and then it doesn't come back again until like you i don't know replenish your source or what <laughs> but like that's one that is i think the easiest for people not to necessarily understand but they can relate to because they might have had like small moments that are similar yeah and another way to like kind of help illustrate that is i know a lot of people who have add and adhd and if you know them this will sound real familiar to you in your life but they will get hyper fixated on a on a topic yeah for like a couple weeks couple months like just like you know for me i'm an art artistic person so i'll switch mediums and i'll get real obsessed with like one kind of medium and i'll go buy like all the supplies for it and mm. i'm gonna be this is what i'm doing now i'm doing oil painting or whatever the fuck it is that week you know and then i get bored with it or it gets to a point where it gets too hard and it doesn't it, it it's not that yeah, it doesn't rush continue serotonin to capture anymore. your interest no and right. then i'm like ugh, and then i'm like okay what else we got out there you know and then i move to the next thing mm -hmm. so then i have a house full of half done projects like yep. all fucking over the place because that wasn't my interest that week. And it's like he said earlier, it's really, really, really hard to be interested and want to take action on things that you don't care about. So when you're over something, it you, you need to have it just sit there for a while before you, you can, you can walk by it a thousand times. You won't even, you'll literally not even know it's there. You'll gloss over it completely mm -hmm. and forget that it exists as a project. Until three months later, and you're like, "Why is this all over the place?" Like, oh, oh yeah, I, I was, was working on that, that thing that I was building on that half-done totally bookshelf on the other side of the room. Like, it's like, why did I want to do that? Oh, that's right, because there was this other thing that I needed. Oh, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, that's somewhere on a to-do list. I could probably <laughs> take, get that taken care of, and it just never happens. That's why we we don't like clutter, but we inevitably always have clutter because of side projects and interests. At least for artistic people like myself who suffer from ADD, our houses are. Do you have a junk drawer? I have like seven. <laughs> they they're like the saving grace. I have an organized junk drawer. Okay. Like I have like I have categories. Like yes. I have like one that's just all like random scrap paper notebooks because you never know like grocery lists. Like I just love paper. Like I'm obsessed with different kinds of paper. I also have like all of like my pens. I've got a shit ton mm -hmm. of random like tape and just. Yep. But yeah, no. There's there's trinkets that for some reason I cannot. Mm -hmm. Like get I can't throw them out. And they're stupid things like, oh, God, there's this thumb drive that I have from a job I had in 2014. Heaven forbid something's important on it. Am I going to look at it? No. no. Am I going to throw it away? No. No. I'm just going to panic every time I look at it and throw it in a fucking oh, yeah. drawer. Because <laughs> it's, it's like it's out of sight. It's out of mind. Yeah. And it makes everything else organized. Yes. So the chaos is allowed to exist in these couple yes. of drawers. And then everything else stays clean. Yeah. Because a everything needs thing. a home. Everything needs a home. Right. Or else you don't. I, I I am perfect. Like, I will lose my keys. If I come home, like, late, late at night and I'm in that, like, delirious state, you know, mm -hmm. and I put my keys down on the couch and I'm, you know, half asleep. The next morning, if I need to go, I'm fucked. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, God. No, no, like they go my, here. Where, where, where are they? Exactly. And I can't, my, my brain will not revisit the brain I had the night before. It won't even know who that person was. It won't know that, mm -hmm. like, what logical, what was logical to me last night is the most illogical thing to me mm -hmm. this morning, and I'm lost. Like, I'll put things in the microwave. I'll put things in the refrigerator that don't make sense, like, because last night it made sense. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just... like I think we call that being hungover. <laughs> oh, I'm not drinking when this happens. That's the sad part. I wish that was the case. I wish <laughs> I had something that I could yeah. blame it on, but it's literally just honestly just overtired. Like, I'm it's... drunk on my own tiredness. 
Yeah. No, I get it. Like, normal people will, and I hate that phrase, like normal people. So a neurotypical mindset uh, would probably be able to recall what happened or they enjoy organization or they find that they function better when things have a routine. We have to have these things. The keys go here. Not because of like OCD, not because it's like, well, that's just what, you know, is supposed to happen. We have a key hook for a reason, but no, if they're not there, they don't exist. And I don't know where the fuck they are. And then you're going through like, are they in a pants pocket? What coat did I wear? It's like, where was I sitting? Is it in the book bag? Is it in, you know, somewhere in the bedrooms? Like you're lost without that. Like we have to have that. I've, I've had a classic, the classic when you're on the phone and you're looking for your phone that happens at least once, twice a month to me where I'm like panicked, like I got to leave and I, oh my God, I don't know where my phone is. And the person's <laughs> on the phone like, hello, <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm like, oh, okay, good. Okay. Whew. Mind you, it's a little bit harder for me because I have two phones because I have my personal phone and my work phone. Okay. So I'm like, I'm like, I know I have one phone and in my head, I'm like, there's another phone and I'm like not thinking that I'm on it having a conversation. I'm just like, there's a phone missing and I just like panic. It's, I can't find my phone. It's yeah, but that's like, it's yeah, it's, it sounds like, you know, just it, a lot of people are, you know, just, oh, you're just forgetful or oh, this Again, or oh, that or oh, and I'm I like. I think everyone's been there a time or two, yeah. but it's not a normal occurrence for them. The, the the closest thing I can I can say, and this I don't mean for this to sound morbid by any means, but for for neurotypical normal quote mm-hmm. quote people and the way that they think, the, the closest thing I can think of is when you have a shift in your life that is dramatic enough where it's always in the back of your brain and it's not leaving enough room for all of the stuff that you would normally have in your brain. So, for example, like sudden death of someone very close to you or you know whatever it is like Mm -hmm. those those few days around that traumatic moment when you feel like you're not quite on point and you're making a lot of mistakes that you don't normally make and you're just a a little clouded and there's just a a wave of of emotions exactly and you just kind of feel like oh god i just feel really off i just feel like i'm not quite like on point and like i'm just you know not quite there like that it's that feeling all the time, all the time. And that's like the closest thing. Like everybody has their off moments and stuff. I said, but when you're literally so frustrated with yourself because you know what you quote unquote should be doing and it's not, it's past the point where you're like, oh, it happens every once in a while, but you're getting pissed off mm-hmm. at yourself because you're like, why the fuck can't I think like this? And you start getting really angry at yourself. And then it starts branching into, you know, that depressive state of just being really mad about everything about how you think and, you know, how you respond to other people in the world. And, like, it just takes you down these crazy rabbit holes. So when everybody says those, like, funny little moments of, like, haha, like, squirrel or, you know, it's like, fuck you, man. Like, I'm, like, ready to, like have a moment over here because I'm stressed out because I'm so pissed off at myself for not being able to think the way that everybody else thinks that everybody's supposed to think. It's really hard, especially like holidays coming up. I'm like, I'm so busy at work. I forget like there's 17 people I have to buy Christmas presents for. 
And I got all these really cool ideas in my head of what I'm going to do. And I'm like, but I'm going to forget about those for the next three fucking weeks. And I'm going to panic. Three and weeks. You got to start next Friday after Thanksgiving. And exactly. then you're good to go, but, right? I, but, how, but that's the thing is like, I'm Put not going to. Put a reminder in your phone. Sounds. Oh, no. That's. See, that's. But this is the problem. This is the problem is like, you're making it sound like all these solutions are so fucking easy. No, they're not. And I understand that. And I'm like, this has been 35 years of me trying to figure this shit out. And I haven't figured it out yet because my brain doesn't get it. And that's the most frustrating part is people are like, oh, you can just do this. You can, I'm like, yeah, I can just do a lot of fucking things. I've been trying to do a lot of fucking things for a long, long time. And I, I my brain can't like it's like oh just go speak spanish and when you've never spoken spanish before and you're like oh i can't do that because i don't know how and then i'm mad at you because i'm like why can't you just speak spanish like are you stupid are you stupid because you can't speak spanish like no because i my brain just doesn't understand that like that's how it is and it's just really frustrating when you get into those moments because you're like people don't get it they just think it's this funny thing that only happens once in a while and when you deal with it constantly there's moments where you are really really forgiving of yourself and you're really soft with yourself and you're really okay with yourself and there's moments that you hate yourself and for a lot of people who don't put in the time to educate themselves about what it even is that they have an Mm. ADD they don't even know that they have something to quote-unquote blame it on they just think they're this fucked up person in society, and that's where I was for a long time until I actually put in the work to start researching it. But I would assume it's not about having something to blame it on. It's more about getting more information about how your specific brain works and, how, it, and how you can work to, to like to fight those but you issues. don't know what you're like for me i didn't know it was a it was a brain issue i think it was the same you thing make like, it a character attribute yeah yeah like it's the same thing with like anybody who's you know who is gay that didn't know they were gay or bisexual or going through trans or you know any of those weird transition periods where they just kept feeling that something was off but like they couldn't figure they, they can't figure it out like they mm-hmm. don't understand like and it's just this bad like you just know that you're different from everybody and you can't figure out why and you're like, God damn it. Like, what the fuck is it? Like, as I feel like I'm doing what, like, everybody else is doing, but I'm not quite getting the same, like, the, I'm, like, not in the same groove. I'm, like, next to them. I'm, like, parallel in this other kind of, like, path. And it's frustrating because you know you're supposed to be just a little bit different and you can't really figure out why. And so that's, like, that's where the frustration comes in, I think, is just mm-hmm. getting just angry at yourself or, like, why can't I do this? Or, like, why can't? my brain just do that or like i don't know it's one of the things the studies that they came up with for like the seven different types i love that they actually quantified it with the like the qeeg because it no longer is a subjective hey let's have you take a survey tell me what kind of symptoms you're having how do you think because at that point someone who has never experienced it or has experienced it you know, in a small way on a casual basis, could look at that and say, well, yeah, I still have that too. You just have it more than I do. But when you actually see images of the brain literally working in completely different ways for one reason or another, you don't get to say anymore like, oh, you're just not trying hard enough. You're just lazy. Whether that's from someone else saying it to you or you saying it to yourself. Because it is so easy, especially with adult, like ADHD, because we allow 
a certain amount of grace for kids. We're like, oh, you know, they're just being kids. They're going to grow out of it. You know, once they mature, they'll stop acting this way. Once they get to a certain age, they'll figure things out. Or at least, you know, parents sometimes hope that. Teachers sometimes hope that, right? And there's a small percentage of times where that does happen. I don't know how much of that percentage is actually growing out of it or how much of it is masking and you just learn coping mechanisms. But getting an actual diagnosis and getting acceptance of that, whether it's from yourself or from other people as an adult, is insanely difficult. Because society is so easy, and we, as part of that society, it's very easy for us to say to ourselves, you're a bad person because you can't do this. And then start adding all kinds of attributes to it. You're lazy, you're irresponsible, you're immature, you don't try hard enough. You should be trying harder. Uh, The fact that you're trying harder than everybody else and failing means that you're just a failure in general. And the thing is, like, when it happens at one time, yeah, that would be kind of silly to tell yourself these things. Like, you're beating yourself up too much. When it is every fucking day, that narrative makes sense. Unless you have something to make sense of what's going on. It is so easy to just beat the shit out of yourself Mm -hmm. for it. If you don't have any way to explain it. And, like, I don't know, like, pretty close to the same age, but I don't know what it was like growing up where this wasn't really that well known. Like, there were some kids, like, the joke was, oh, he's on Ritalin. Because that was, like, the one thing yeah. that they had medication-wise for it. And now there's, you know, like, dozens of different medications that they use. But it was for the, like, the really spastic children. There wasn't this idea of seven different kinds in a spectrum of how people fall on, you know, whether it's overstimulation or just ADD versus ADHD or different parts of the brain. No, it was just like, you know, they're a spaz, put them on meds, they're on Ritalin. And if you're not on Ritalin, well, then you don't have an issue and you're just a bad kid because you have a learning disability. You're not trying hard enough, whatever it is. So we never learned to how to have self-awareness and therefore how to have a conversation with ourselves. Do you think things have gotten better or is it about the same? Mm-hmm. Are they just hyper so they throw medication at them and hope that it helps? I have They just have different ones to try or – I think children in general, I feel like, is this is, I mean, I don't have any children to base this off of. I don't know if you have any children mm-hmm. to base this off of, but I feel like in general, we're much more open to talking about the idea that there could be an issue mm-hmm. outside of just the, the immediate one that you think of is as far as, you know, across the board with any kind of mental anything, you know, I feel like in schools now, they're much more open to understanding like, well, why are you thinking like this? Instead of just being like, oh God, let's just get this kid out of the way. Here's a solve that issue move on you know like from my experience i i was always really frustrated when people said you weren't you weren't trying hard enough and so i'm like you have no idea how hard i'm trying I'm there's trying, just like, i am busting an, my ass over here trying. i'm an incredibly visual person i'm an incredibly artistic person i am my hyper focus comes from art projects and editing photos and taking pictures and like storytelling and like all of that kind of visual, like I am like, I can see a thousand, like, a, you know, a thousand things happening at once. You try to have me solve a math problem and I'm like, oh my God, like, because mm-hmm. I can't picture it. I can't see it. My brain does not understand it. 
spelling tests like i used to get into screaming matches with my dad over the frustration of just trying to understand how to re- how to like remember words so i could pass the spelling test in school and so when i was younger i got like an early diagnosis around like third grade and i was only on the medication for like a week or two and my mom i remember my mom asking me if you know how, how you feel like you're paying attention and i was like yeah and uh, she actually took me off of the medication. Like, oh, well, you're fixed now, so. Well, it wasn't right? just that. She thought I was, like, making it up. So oh. she was like, this is not supposed to kick in for, like, a month. So the fact that you can pay attention after two weeks means that you just need to try harder. Oh, and shit. And the side effect. But it, was, it wasn't just that. It was a balance of the side effects that were on that medication. She was very hyperparent. It wasn't like she was trying to be, like, a horrible mother or anything like okay. that. It was, oh, it was the idea of the side effects that I see in this medication don't seem worth it to me at the time. Yeah. But at the time, there wasn't all this knowledge about all the other ways that it affects your life. It was just you don't pay attention in class and you could be doing better. Because, because again, so she couldn't grasp mind, how your brain worked. Exactly. But at the time, it was like, you're, so you're giving my kid this medicine with all these crazy side effects just because they can't sit still and pay attention in class and need to pay like a little bit closer attention. And like I understand at that time that's that was the pro- – so I don't fault her at all for that. But as an adult, like I didn't get re-diagnosed until after college. And like looking back, I'm like how the fuck did I pull that shit off? Yeah, how would you get through high school? It <laughs> – I mean, I mean seriously. <laughs> it was a lot of incredibly frustrating – like that's where you start learning – the tips and tricks that really help you do what you need to do. Like I knew when I studied in college, like I couldn't study at certain times at home because there was noises and there was things. So I'd const- I would go to the library early and make sure that I signed out a private study room and lock myself in there all night. And if I heard any noises or anything, it was distracting. So I'd have, you know, my jazz playlist on YouTube ready yep. to go. <laughs> and so I could just like try to zone out as best possible. And luckily for me, I was an art major in college, so graphic design was something that I already had, like, this this passion. At least you had interest in it. I had interest in it. So I was more driven to just do these things, you know, but the the parts I struggled with were the parts in, like, freshman and sophomore year where it was all the extra classes where it really wasn't the shit that Mm -hmm. I wanted to be there for. It was the math classes and the algebra and the, you know writing essays and i was like fuck like all of this is just like so <laughs> so much energy for me to get done because it's just not what my brain is like wants to do it's not how it mm-hmm. thinks it's like mm, so it would be very frustrating in that regard but it's it is hard to you know look back and just just know like the amount of education we've gotten since the early 90s till now it doesn't even seem like that long of a period of time but It's a world of difference when it comes to just how people look at it. The amount of education that's behind like all the all just all the sciences of what we're finding out about, you know, hyperfixation and the different types of types of ways that it affects your brain and time blindness and mood you know, instability and just like everything. It's just like nobody knew any of this yeah. shit back then. Everyone was just like, oh, you can't sit still. You're bouncing around the classroom. Here's a pill. And it's like, that's not even close to what this is. Like at isn't, all. But isn't that what modern medicine is? Like they just take guesses. They throw medication at it and hope for the best. Trial and error. There's a lot of that. At least, there's a better understanding 
now of what is at the root, not just like the different areas of the brain, um, but a better understanding like what's at the root of like ADHD or ADD, which is largely like a dopamine deficiency. And it can happen for different reasons. But once they have that, then there's a better understanding of why the drugs are working the way that they're working. Because if you give someone an amphetamine who has a neurotypical brain, they're going to be very amped up because you've just released you know, a bunch of adrenaline, noradrenaline. It's going to increase dopamine. And that's going to be incredibly stimulating. You give that to someone who doesn't have dopamine, part of the reason that they're hyperactive is their body is desperately trying to do anything it can to create it. And Adderall, Adzenas, Ritalin, um, I'm trying to think of like the other family groups. Like There's the amphetamine group and like uh, deoxy something. But that's the primary role, is that they're going to artificially induce what the hyperactivity is trying to do and increase dopamine, which is why it's so easy to like fixate on things that we enjoy because like, thank fucking God there's dopamine. And like, this is giving me joy. And maybe sometimes it's only for like a couple of weeks that it does that. And then it loses its stimulation, but it makes sense. Like my first one in a school, I was a musical theater major because it was the only thing that I found that I was able to give time to. Um, and then I don't, I really honestly, until this very moment, really didn't make the correlation as far as the timeline between it, but I switched majors over to exercise science after finally being put on Adderall. I did two years as a musical theater major, and, and looking Back, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to move out of this because I want to make sure I actually have a paycheck and I don't want to be a waiter like trying to go to auditions and probably won't make it, you know, because that's what I watched a lot of my friends do. Of course. It's, and I thought, it's a high percentage yeah. of those kind of people. It's just how it works. I thought, I'm being responsible. Honestly, I really think that my brain was finally like, we're allowed to pay attention to other things. What else are you interested in? We can be successful at other things that weren't nearly as stimulating before. What else are you interested in? Is I I love exercise. I love working with people doing exercise. I love kind of researching exercise. And like, well, there's this whole like sports medicine exercise science realm. Let's check that out. And you know, fell in love with that and went down that route. But uh, yeah, until like this moment right now, I really didn't make that connection. That I think that probably played a big role in why I was mentally and emotionally able to make that transition okay so different tangent go ahead what was it like before and after the medication especially like i think for you because caitlin you had started it early but then got cut off of it quickly before you probably had a chance to really realize what difference it could make and then you found it later in life and it sounds like you only found it later in life Mm -hmm. never started younger was it just because you were misdiagnosed or because you had all the coping mechanisms to kind of hide everything? Neither. I wasn't like, it was never a conversation with the doctors. Okay. Like that was just something my parents, I have no idea why it's my parents have talked, like we've had the conversation with them. They're like, well, yeah, it seemed like you had it. Well, then why the fuck didn't we go to the doctors and yeah, talk at about At least this? ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. 
So there was no misdiagnosis. There's a lack of. Um, but I also had no coping mechanisms. So when you so, ask what, question, so what was life like before and after the medication? I feel like you may have. You just may not realize it. Because for me, I had coping mechanisms that I had put in place naturally. But I didn't realize that they were coping mechanisms because my brain doesn't work like you know so they just naturally occurred as i Mm. reached different parts of my life not real like it wasn't until i met someone who thought differently that i realized i set up my life differently to to cope with whatever that topic was Mm -hmm. until they talked about it so there's a lot of that where like i didn't necessarily you know tell people like this is how my room is set up and this is why Mm -hmm. it was just this is how my room is set up you know so like there there are ways that like i did you know i feel like you probably did have coping mechanisms and probably didn't even realize that they were coping mechanisms you could have yeah until you know i'm recently discovering this now it's just wait you do that why like oh i don't i don't do it like that because i need to do it like this or else i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna remember or you know things like that so sorry go ahead (laughs) no um i would so prior, it was chaos. And when you ask, how did you get through high school? I don't know. Okay. I genuinely do not know. That's that's fair. Um, had a lot of support from the teachers, or like a handful of teachers and my parents. And I think that I, without sounding like I'm bragging at all, I was smart enough that the bare minimum I was doing, because that's what my brain could get myself to do, was enough to get me by. And it looked like the intelligent, lazy person. Where they're like, well, I'm just going to try could, it just hard I enough. could definitely see someone saying that about you. Yeah. I feel like that's a trend, to be honest with you. What do you mean? So, like, what I was like saying before is, like, you know, when I was diagnosed, it was pretty much just you can't pay attention. You know, but I, I was never a f- completely failing student. I just didn't always oh, apply. That's you why know your mom I mean? pulled you off because so she thought I just you just weren't applying like, yourself. I felt like, I feel like, you know, I was always made to believe, you know, I was pulled out of my regular class to go to the special class because it was, it was away from the entire class and I could actually pay attention. But that's not how it was set up in my school. It was like almost special ed in a way that was like, this person cannot pay attention for this these two topics like they need to go over here in this other classroom but like in my mind i was made to believe i'm stupid and so it's only like that's where like a lot of imposter syndrome comes in is like i feel like there's a lot of people with adhd or add that that truly believe that they are stupid because they do not grasp subject matter the way that it is taught we we don't understand it that way at all and we have to learn a different way or a different function. But like the, the the fact of the matter is our brains never, ever, 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 ever shut off. So the reality of the situation is that way probably doesn't make sense to us. Not because we're stupid, but because we've just thought of 10 other possible factions. Like this, this could be, we could also do it like this. Why don't we do it like this? Why aren't we doing it like this? And then we can't. So we're, I, I almost like, I'm not trying to boast myself by any means, but sometimes I like to think of it as my superpower in the sense of there's a lot of incredibly brilliant people out there who were told that they are stupid. Yeah, and their brains just work differently. And our brains just don't, yeah. Like there's so many times, yep. like I've worked on so, like with so many people who think opposite of me, not only from an artistic standpoint, but just from being able to use that artistic standpoint to like problem solve and to create, you know, in my graphic design life, 
it's you know taking this idea and turning into a visual support for that idea and stuff and just like communicating things like there it's it's interesting to me how people are like i don't understand how you think like that like you think in pictures and you can see this stuff and i'm like yeah but like it's the same kind of idea with like add is like there's so much going on in our heads that you cannot see and like we're arriving at these end results and it's Mm. like but that cloud is so hard to explain so here's something that might help out with the not being able to grasp things that i thought was really interesting folks with add or adhd mentally develop at like two-thirds the pace So at any point in time, when they look at the mental development, we are one-third or about 30% behind someone else who is our chronological age, which is fucking depressing, but also helps to make sense of a lot of things. So for example, if you're 15 years old, mentally, you have the developmental skills of someone who's 10. That's a scary thought to think about. Time out. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. Say that again. So I should have the divi- the. Where should my brain be if I'm 35? About 23. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. That, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Wow. So epiphany. You're like I can yeah. see the explosions going on in your head right now. I'm like a little bit like embarrassed, and I'm like, but now I understand. Like, but it's hard to not constantly compare yourself to everybody around yeah. you. Because for the and most feel part, feel overwhelmed. Because I'm like, well, yeah, you're overwhelmed. You're probably piling on way more than you should be because you feel like you're not there. Is there a point in your life in the past ten years where you felt like all of a sudden you started to like truly understand things in your life or yourself and like started to make progress? Oh, 110 percent. There's been so many life changes over the past two or three years. It's been insane. <laughs> When would you say that trend started? Oh, man. Like age-wise or like Mm -hmm. life experience-wise? Age-wise. Probably shortly after my 30s, like when I broke into this like other realm where it felt like I was supposed to feel different. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was probably... But I also feel like it has a lot to do with where other people around me were at in their lives and where they were going. Um, but yeah, no, probably around after 30 is when I really started just thinking about, yeah, what everybody else was doing and mm-hmm. what I was doing. And <laughs> Mine was 28. And when I do the math on it, it's like, oh, because you hit that and all of a sudden now you're in that 18 to 20 range. Like, neurologically, you've developed to the point where you're an adult. It just takes that much longer before these things happen. So even when they say, like, oh, you know, the brain doesn't fully develop until you're 26, that's not the case with us. Like, we need more time than that. Or 25. Yeah, 25, I think. Like, we're going to need 30% longer before that starts to happen. And... That's that's so funny. Yeah. I'm like laughing because like part of me thinks like, oh, I was always like taking this as such like a compliment. And now I'm like taking it like in reverse, which I probably shouldn't do. But 
everyone always tells me, you know, you do, I do not act my age. And I, I like that about myself in the sense of I feel like I have more fun than people who are my Almost age. like a childlike demeanor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a goofball and I don't really give a fuck in certain aspects when I want to be goofy and I want to have fun because I like, you know, you were saying we need that serotonin boost. And mm-hmm. if being a goofball and acting like a 15 year old ding dong running around in a snowy parking lot making snow angels after work one day just because i fucking felt like it like that's that yep. makes sense to my brain to be that goofball when somebody my age is like actor eight you know i'm like why well, i supposed <laughs> to be boring like you get the fuck out of here kind of but I, I i also hope to always carry that childlike mentality mm-hmm. with me because it's fucking fun to be honest with you there's a lot of uptight people that i know that can't can't allow themselves to have fun or can't break away to have fun. And I feel like we're almost reversed. We're like, we're like stuck in that fun zone. And it's really hard for us to break into like, you have to do A, B and C. And we're like, but that's not fun. And that sucks. And that's draining. And I don't want to. And it's like, it is very much that mentality. We're like, I want to keep doing what's fun over here. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like, and fun shifts, like it changes with time easily so it's like okay what was fun when i was 21 isn't fun in general when i'm you know 28 versus 35 but that mindset of you want to go to the thing that is fun and by fun meaning stimulating Mm -hmm. you want to go to the thing that brings you joy because again it comes back to dopamine and even if the activity changes the concept behind why you like cling to it doesn't and similarly i've always been told that i act or have like a childlike demeanor, like I a young at heart. Like when you hit a certain age, you get to be called young at heart. <laughs> um, not childish anymore. Not childish anymore. <laughs> like it changes. It goes from immature to childish to young at heart. Gotcha. <laughs> and I can remember so many instances um, with my parents where they were struggling. Like, why won't he? He's a certain yeah. age. Like, why won't he act like it? Yeah. Like, why does why he does grow he, up? Why right. doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do that? Yeah. Why is he making these mistakes that like he should have figured out years ago? And it's like, because I haven't even gotten mentally to the age where I would be able to understand that those mistakes should have consequences, let alone lessons. I don't understand it. And I'm not going to understand it for a couple of years. And that's not an excuse. And it's not a reason to, you know, not try. I don't get to, it's not a free pass that says like, oh, I'm not there yet. It's like, well, guess what? The rest of the world doesn't care. Like, there's still going to be consequences to it. But you can't expect someone in that case to be where you think they should be based on age. Like, the chronological age and the biological age at that point are no longer the same. That's super interesting. Yeah. It's tough. And, like, similarly, like, there's certain things you hear that and you're like, yay, that makes so much sense. And then you think about all the times where it worked against you and you're like, ah, oh, shit, that still makes sense, but it sucks. I think honestly, like part of that for me right now, like I'm having a lot of anxiety at this point in my life about like the quote unquote, like adult things that you're supposed to have <laughs> started and getting done, like a 401k yep. and like a health savings account and like all this, like a retirement fund. And like, I'm like, should I have a Roth IRA? I was should like, I this literally rate? makes me want to throw up the idea of even opening up even googling an article to read about this literally makes me just want to cringe like i just want to curl up and like i will pay someone ten thousand dollars to do all the work for me like that's how i feel 
about this topic right now in my life. Like, well, luckily for you, there's professionals that do that. So, but that's the point. Is like at the same time, I'm like, well, if I could just learn about it, I could save a couple bucks, you know. So it's like mm-hmm. this constant argument. But there are certain things that, like, yeah, you don't. You're not there yet, but like society says that you should be. Like, oh, you're this age, you should be doing this, and you're like, I'm just trying to go to like the drive-in movie with my friends. <laughs> like, I don't want to think about 401ks and like. And it's exactly like there's I'm laughing because I don't you well, I know you don't have an Instagram. I don't know if you have an Instagram, mm-hmm. but there's the reels on Instagram now. And one of my favorite audios is there's this audio. This girl is just like screaming in her car and she's like, what the fuck am I doing? She's like, am I supposed to open a 401k? And then she's like, what the fuck is a 401k? <laughs> and I like, that's how I feel every day. I'm like, I have no idea. Like, do we even know what we're doing? Like, no one knows what the fuck they're doing. Like, what are you supposed to do anything? And so it's 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 a pain in the ass. But I feel you. And it's like, yeah, we don't. Yeah, we want to just girls just want to have fun, quote unquote, you know, like the the responsibility and something that's like not attention grabbing and things that we like should be doing or like the the worst, like it's the worst. It's like think of the worst possible thing you could do. Like what's the what's the one thing you hate? Like you're like and you have to do it like every week. It's like that. Like you hate grocery shopping. You have to go grocery shopping every week because if you don't go grocery shopping, then you don't eat and then you die. And it's like, okay, fine, I'll go do it. But it's like that, but with like a lot of adult things and just Mm. general topics that we should be doing. And it's like not a pain in the ass for anybody else. But it's like the end of the world, at least for me. (laughs) You get so proud of like the littlest things. You're like, yay, I got an oil change. Yeah. You're like, that should be standard. It's like, you don't understand. And to like, at a certain point, yeah, it becomes standard for us. We just take longer to catch up on these things. And there's all of these opportunities. It comes back to the whole thing of like beating yourself up. There's so many opportunities of recognizing how far behind you are. And some things that you can beat your, like say like, oh, I'm an irresponsible person. I can't believe it took me this long to finally like open an investment account so I have a retirement savings, et cetera, et cetera. But the feeling of joy of like when you finally accomplish it, you're like, I did it. I'm an adult. <laughs> In this one moment, I am an adult and it feels fantastic. I don't understand what I just gave money to. I don't know how it's going to work. But there's a guy who says that he's going to be in charge of like my savings and or like wealth management and he, he's going to tell me once a year whether or not I'm making money. Oh, my God. I'm crying right now. <laughs> <laughs> so accurate. I don't know how many times, like, for someone who's ADD, like, I need to understand what's going on. I feel very much like I need to be in control. And that's another reason why those adult things are so fucking hard because they are so, like, financial institutions and how people set shit up is so fucking fucked already for people to understand with a neurotypical brain and then you give it to an ADD person I'm like reading it like what the fuck do you want me to do with what for why (laughs) like what so Mm -hmm. it's like you're putting your trust into something else when and maybe this isn't an ADD thing maybe this is just me needing to go to therapy more thing but (laughs) I don't have like a shit ton of trust if I don't understand like the full picture like, I need to kind of understand, like, mm-hmm. all of, like, the what-ifs of, like, a general situation because I also know my impulsivity is, like, scr- through the roof. Yeah. So, I like to, like, take a step back and be like, wait a second. Like, what am I stepping into? What's going on? You know, and if I can't understand it, I get real paranoid. And then I'm like, well, let's not let's not jump on it yet because I feel like I need to understand A, B, and C a little bit more. And then, like, it never gets done. So, for things like that, 
I'm never going to understand all the facets of that. I don't know what the hell is going on. Well, you yeah, know, but just... there's also professionals that spend their entire day doing it, and they don't quite understand it all either. It's like, I know. It's a very complex thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's it's just the idea of like understanding the difference of where you can relax yes. and let someone else take over and where you need to like, you know, the 10-10-10 role has been a really positive at addition to my life ever since I realized what it so was. So what's that? I'm getting to that, sir. So the 10, 10, 10 rule is basically you when you're when you're getting overstimulated of something, something is causing you a lot of anxiety and you're finding yourself being hyper fixated on it, just trying to figure out what do I do? How much should I feel about this? You know, whatever it is, you just pause and you ask yourself, does it matter in 10 minutes? Does it matter in 10 months? Does it matter in 10 years? And in that instant, you can kind of be like, how much anxiety do I honestly really need to be divulging towards this particular situation that's happening right now because when you when you feel like emotional regulation is another horrible horrible side effect of adhd and it's not it's not an inability to feel it's the inability to manage how much of what you're feeling like you can be what's appropriate you can spike and get so overwhelmed by things that you feel so silly later feeling that, oh my god! I can't believe I had that that kind of reaction from that. It seems so silly a half mm-hmm. hour later, you know. But in the moment, you're like, "This is warranted," and I feel this way, and you're like very passionate about it. And it's the same, it's the same kind of thing as like you need to like pause and take it back for a second. But sorry, I just blanked out completely. I just got zoned out by boxes in the window. This is ADD striking. Hmm. Sorry, you can take over now. Go for it. <laughs> One of the other of the se- like eventually we get around all seven. We're going to be able to do it because one of the other ones oh, yeah. that is on the list of the seven is called Ring of Fire ADHD, where you have these areas of the brain. That Can we just call that one the Johnny Cash? Yeah, absolutely. Please. Fuck yes. So the Johnny Cash ADHD, um, you have multiple areas of the brain that all light up that are not supposed to simultaneously be active, and the brain doesn't know what the fuck to do with it. And it just creates this incredibly overstimulated anxiety of just like, uh, uh, like executive function you goes out. Yeah. Because you're overstimulated. Like there's, it's not that you don't know what path to take. It's like all of a sudden your brain lights up and there's a hundred paths to take and you want to put your foot on all of them at the same time. And you, you, you panic freeze. Mm-hmm. Executive like, Where do I go? Where do I go? Gone. Oh God, what do I do? What do I do? And you just yep. <laughs> short out. <laughs> Basically. That's actually a really good way to put it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, for those of you who can't see, because nobody can see, because it's on not on video, she's over here just shaking. But, I'm I'm yep. a very yeah I'm a very animated talker. I apologize. No, 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 this no, would, no, be, no, this would be a much better vlog type situation. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. Trust me, because I've got a I've got a face for radio and a voice for print. But you, so the thing I've wanted to ask, like during this conversation, because you mentioned before about the browsing tabs and like having too many open. Have you ever tried to explain to somebody how many things you are thinking about in a given moment? All the time and it never... I've heard a lot of like metaphors. Metaphors I feel like are the easiest way to try and explain to somebody what the fuck is going on. But for me, a lot of it, what I try to explain is like it's the same concept as like my house. Mm Mm-hmm. If it's out of sight, it's out of mind. So if I buy extra shampoo and I put it in my linen closet and I close the door, I will go to the store thinking I need extra shampoo. Mm-hmm. 
But if I put that extra shampoo in my shower next to my existing shampoo, it is a constant reminder that like, hey, I I don't need extra shampoo. So like it's very much that way of thinking in my head. If it is out of sight, it's out of mind. So I've heard a couple things that are basically like, I know this is going to be visual, so I'm going to try my best to bridge this gap. But let's say you have a nine-inch window that you're looking through. And it's constantly moving around your brain and whatever's in that nine inch square space is what your brain can function and what can see and what it can focus on. So you can fit a lot of things in that nine inches. There's a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of, you know, things that you have to do, whatever. ADHD people or ADD people, our window is three inches by three inches. So we know that there's things that we need to think about that are right on the other side of that that cusp, you know, right on the other side of there, 3.5 inches away, maybe four inches away. It's just out of focus. But we have to search so much longer and we can only keep a certain amount of things in that three inch space at one time. Mm. And so... I think that's why, like, for me, like, when I pull it back into, like, work, because work is where I feel like I need to explain it more to people because we're we're trying to figure out the best way to communicate with each other and work with each other and get each other what we need. And so I always tell people, I said, please email me. And the reason I asked for email instead of just popping in my office saying, hey, I need this or texting me or I said, there's too many methods of of conversation. I'm not going to remember if I don't write it down. It's gone. Like Mm -hmm. I need to be able to have something that I can go back to and search. So if you send it to me an email with the subject line being whatever the hell is the project that we're talking about, then later and two days later when all of a sudden it, my brain randomly catches back up with me and goes, ding, and I'm like, fuck that project. Out of nowhere, I will know, at least in my email, I can go search and I will be able to pick back up because that is where that square has finally yeah. gotten to that point in my brain to remember. And it's like, oh, shit, like there it is. And it's literally like looking it's like if you see a horror movie and you have a lighter in a room where you should have a lantern and you're trying to look for something and you yeah. can only see the couple inches away from the lighter that you have to like look through a space. But if you had a lantern, you could hold it up and see 10 feet out real easy and know exactly where you have to go or where you know what you need to do. But for me, it's like it's all taken so much further in and I can only see so far out and I can only think so far out. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard, like, I need things to be out in the open because, like, I get visual triggers. If I see that water bottle sitting there half empty, I'm like, oh, yeah, I I, I was going to drink a lot of water today. I need to drink water today. Or if I haven't, like, I keep lists all over my desk because they're my to-do list. And if I read them, I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, I was supposed to do that yesterday and I didn't. Let me add it to my list today. So I have a visual reminder of what I need to do. Like I won't remember to go do something. Like I'll if I'll put something on the side and I'll, I'll leave a sticky note for myself. Like I'll buy lunches for work. I will buy lunch meat and I'll have a whole plan and pickles and all this fun stuff in my fridge. I'll get up in the morning and I'll be like, all right, um, time to go, you know. And so I'm like, okay, well, the night before, past Caitlin needs to set up future Caitlin for success by writing on a sticky note, hey, you bought lunch meat yesterday. Make yourself a salami and ham sandwich. It's in the fridge. You also wanted a pickle on the side because literally I will not remember that the next morning. It's like I woke up a totally different fucking person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like having everything out as much as possible, I feel like is... So along the visual, have you ever tried to tell someone how many things you are thinking about because of what you're visually stimulated by oh god in your environment i've told people the journeys that i've been on and they've just looked at me like i'm an insane person like i just played six movies Mm -hmm. 
back to back like they're like why what like so okay there's red in your water bottle for example we have a red in the water bottle here so what is that that makes me think of this some some guy online that has a funny um video out right now of him he's a comedian i'm blanking out on his name but there he has this giant water jug and he's sitting there talking to the guy and he's like oh i drink red kool-aid that's and Brooke Kreischer, yeah. yeah so the so his red water bottle now has got me thinking about that's that. like a half gallon of fucking kool-aid that he's drinking. exactly only oh, drinks but, two of those a day by the way oh yeah but but that that doesn't stop there that was only the first millisecond oh, yeah, of my first, brain yeah. that because i'm like oh i saw that on facebook so then i think about everything else going on on facebook and mm-hmm. then randomly i'll be like oh you know what there was that one buy sell trade group that my sister told me about and then she told me about this other one that's like a um, free site so you can actually just trade things for free but when i get on facebook i can't seem to find that free one so now now my brain's curious about how does the algorithm of facebook work because i can't find that one like event thing that i was trying to get into so now i'm curious about how that program works which brings me to think about i wonder what it's like to work at facebook i wonder what that office looks like what would your commute be like in California? I wonder what the traffic's like. Oh, God, the gas would be fucking terrible if you lived out there. God damn it. But wouldn't the weather be great? God, you could go to the beach every fucking day. And that happens in three seconds. And that's what I mean where my brain never stops. And it is so overstimulated because it is thinking that much, that quickly, all the fucking time. <laughs> All the time. Mm-hmm. And that's also where it's really, really quickly, it's really easy to where I know, I don't know if it's, a, I'm curious to know how bad it is for men because I've heard it's a lot worse for women, especially in terms of your menstrual cycle because your emotions are already kind of ebbing and flowing yeah, as you go through everything that you're going through. So emotional regulation is really, really hard. And so coupled with that is you get on these thought processes and you think of a million amazing ideas. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm going to do all these fucking things. These are all these great ideas for art projects and fucking nonprofits and fucking I'm going to go save the fucking rainforest and I'm going to adopt this fucking baby bear and like whatever the fuck comes to mind. Because, <laughs> adopt like, a murderer? But, Jesus. But you think of like you just you think of all these fantastic ideas. And then when you make that list of to do's in your brain. And then that to-do list is just, like, so not feasible at all. Then you immediately go into that depression of, like, I suck. I can't get any of this done. I'm, mm-hmm. I can't make a step towards any of these things. I'm a horrible human being. And so you get you have these, like, extreme spikes of highs and lows in that regard. And, like... It looks like bipolar. It really does. Yeah. A lot of people, like, there's a lot of overlap, I think, is what there re- is what a lot of people are discovering is... There's a little bit of aut- autism. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of bipolar. There's certain, bipolar is two different personalities. Right? It's the extreme of both. Like you, it, you have extreme Emotional. highs okay. where you feel like you're like in. In speaking from a female's perspective, since we mentioned the cycle, you know, like I'm paying a lot more attention to myself in the last however many months, and just kind of getting to know me and you know where I am, and like so that I know if I can be blaming my mood or something on where I am in my cycle or is there something else going on in my life that I need to change or adjust and you know because sometimes it's hard for me to decipher if I can you know blame it back on oh I'm just moody this week and eating a whole bunch of fucking chocolate (laughs) because you know something's going on next week or whatever but 
I have noticed that there are definitely like two weeks that I am like high as hell. And I mean like I feel great. I've got energy. I want to go do stuff. I'm fucking horny. I want to like go out to eat. I want to be social. I want to go to nightclubs. Like, woo, like I feel fucking great. And then there's a couple weeks where I'm just the idea of even like I cannot wait. I'm counting down the, the seconds until I can get up those stairs, unlock my door, and just be inside of my fucking apartment because I do not want to leave. I want to be in sweatpants. I don't want to talk to a single fucking person. I want to be in a ball. I don't want to cook for myself. It's going to be hot dogs and macaroni and cheese. And like, so you do go from like this extreme high of like, we're going to try recipes and I'm going to go on dates and I'm going to have fun and la 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 la. And then it's like, and you're just like, I haven't cleaned my house in two weeks. My bathtub's disgusting. I haven't fed myself. Like, I'm gross. I need a shower. Like, it's like you're like all over the place. And it's really hard to like, People don't get that who aren't like either around it a lot yep. or who don't experience it themselves. So dating is another thing that I find very, very difficult to do is people are like, oh, I get it. And then you're just like, Yo, but you don't, <laughs> but you don't. And so like in six months, you're going to be like real fucking sick of my shit. And the problem is, is I can't change my shit. <laughs> so that's the problem is like you have to kind of learn to work with me and like it's it sucks because like i'm not like i feel like people are more comfortable with like doing that with other things at this point like you know like like autism has taken leaps and bounds in the last 10 years Mm -hmm. you know like people are so much more accepting of okay like we should change how we respond to this person you know that kind of mentality i just don't i don't think we are at all anywhere close to even thinking about that for adhd or anything and it's always like we're still very much in the mindset of like we got to change for you guys and i'm like but we fucking can't like and that's what's really frustrating is like there's i've 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 had a lot of like people with like trust issues and you know things like that because if i ebb and i flow it's like it's not i didn't lose interest in you it's not that I don't want to hang out with you every second of every day or what. It's like I right now I'm just in a very depressive state. And right now I just really would rather be alone in my apartment for a couple of days. So I'm canceling on the plans that we had tonight. And that's not all like people are like, this is bullshit. You're full of shit. You're probably off doing something with somebody else. And yeah, it's just, that's and somebody it, who's insecure. It, but still, it's it's. Yes, but that's a grand majority of the general population. Of course. Like from per I'm thirty five. Like this you know, I'm I'm not new to the dating scene and like it, it's it's hard to explain to people mm-hmm. right off the bat, you know, like I ebb and flow a little bit more than the normal person and you know, and it's it's it is hard to like you don't wanna just like have a first date and be like, By the way, I have A D D and I'm a pain in the ass. <laughs> like, See, like, you don't, it's another thing, you don't know when to, like, bring it up, you don't know when to, like, talk about it, you don't know if you want to talk about it, like, it's weird. Well, at some point you have to mention it, it's definitely not first date material. Oh, hell no. No. But depending on, I mean, depending on what site you meet them on, I'm just kidding, I don't know, I don't even know what's out there, I refuse to get on those, they scare me, but... It's a horrible way to try to connect with other human beings. No, but that's just... Online dating is just ridiculous. But I'm mad that it's not, it doesn't exist anymore, but there used to be a video online that, like was a very eye-opening video for me and it was it was the unofficial official adult adhd test and i'm pretty was, sure you sent that to me like way i did back in the day. and i've searched for it in the last couple of years and it's it's taken down and i know that guy like he's 
had his own kind of like professional journey where he's like coupled with other people that are like now doing like ADHD videos and things like that. So I don't know if he just like took it down and like that idea has been absorbed in other areas or I don't know, but whatever it was, it was a really cool concept for me. It was just a playful way of looking at all the different aspects of how ADHD like actually affects you as an adult. Because it was all about points, right? It was about points. You get a point for this. You take away points for that. Exactly. But it was meant to be fun. So it was a 20-minute video. And, like, it started off immediately where he was, you know, they did say, like, this is just for fun, blah, 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 kind of thing. But he was like, you know, if you already decided that, like, you don't need a piece of paper because you're just going to keep points in your head and blah. He's like, give yourself a point. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, that's me. Like, shit, you know? And it was like, yeah, like, okay, you know? And, but it touched on like so many things. It just, it, my mind, it was one of those moments where my mind was just like, like, holy fuck, mm-hmm. really? Because they touched on, you know, if you find yourself in a bar and it's like really hard to like hear other people, you know, give yourself a point or, you know, and about like 10 minutes in, he's like, if you're zoning out and you're already doing something else, like give yourself three points and just like <laughs> shit like that. And I'm like, oh my God. And it was just so, it was so spot on even to the timing of like when they said things and stuff like that, that it truly was like, it was one of those senses of like, you finally figured out like what the fuck was wrong mm-hmm. with you. So like, it wasn't that anything's wrong with you. I shouldn't say it like that because that's how I was made to believe that I was for a long time. There's something wrong with me. And it's not that anything's wrong with me. It's that like you finally click like, holy shit, this is how I think. So you finally understand like where you align because even within ADHD and ADD, like there's a billion ways that you can think that aren't necessarily in line with how other people think. But if you know the general topics in which you are affected and you can relate to that, you can start translating like, holy shit, that's what it is. So at least you know where to start looking for tips and tricks and finding people who like, okay, you have a time, you have trouble with time, you know, whatever, like organization or time management and all or time theory, like how long something takes to get done. I'm horrible at time. Yeah, it's a tough one. Horrible at time. Oh, my God. Google Earth or Google Maps is, like, my life source for, like, going places. I will have no idea how to get anywhere. Ever. I have no idea how long it takes to do anything. I just don't. The concept of time is, like, gone. It's, like, (laughs) erased from my brain. So, it's it's interesting, but... Sorry. No, no, no. This is good shit. My tangents. My, I'm getting on my tangent that I just blanked yeah. out. This no, is how no, ADD that's works. That's fine. That's the other fun thing about ADD. If you're ever in the middle of a conversation with somebody, quite literally, the most literal metaphor I can have for the situation is the next thought is the tablecloth on the table, and you have just like pulled it out from underneath everything. Like all the plates, everything's still there. And you were like, I was I was about to say something. I know it was here two seconds ago, but I have literally no fucking clue what it was. And it literally just gets, boop, swiped out from your brain, which is exactly what happened. I don't know what I was talking about. I knew I was on a path somewhere. You'll remember. It's gone. I'll remember it on my way home. On the way home. After we're done recording, after oh, I've said shit. goodbye, I will randomly be like, fuck, there's the other side of that thought right there. That's how this happens. So it happens a lot. And I it's very it. embarrassing. I, I get it. <laughs> It feels really good to hear someone else say the things that I have said either to myself or try to explain to other people because it's like, yes, I'm not completely crazy. <laughs> like, I may be crazy in completely different ways, but like, it's very validating to hear that. And that's why like, I kept setting up like, what's it like for you blank? Because I wanted to, without like having a biased influence on it, hear what it was. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what it's fucking like. 
Like I have multiple times tried to explain to people how many things are in my head at one point on why I'm not paying attention or have difficulty paying attention to the conversation. And part of me in a joking way wants to be like, listen, I'm sorry that you're not interesting enough. There's like all this other, if you were more interesting, my dopamine would focus on you. Um, that doesn't go over well as a joke. So I don't really usually tell them, but to watch the look on their face, when you go through the list of everything in the last 30 seconds that have gone through your head and how much your attention is just divided amongst all kinds of stuff. They start to get a grasp of what every moment of your life is like and why it is so mentally taxing and why you like when we say that we can't do things, we're being literal and yeah, it's I think, not that we don't want right? to. We physically like, We are cannot. desperately <laughs> trying to do some of these things. And that often, and the unfortunate part of it is that often it is interpreted as, again, you're not trying hard enough or you just need this one fix. Or you're not smart or you're lazy right? or whatever, yeah. Well, here's a tip to help you do it. Here's a solution to help you do it. It's like, you can put all the solutions you want in front of me. They don't work because you. they're yeah. not compatible. Yeah. And it's like, I might work you know, for them weird people that are normies, but it's like, here's an, it's like if you use computer programming as a concept with it, it's like the world is running on windows and it has windows apps and we're on Linux. Yep. Nothing <laughs> transfers. Like we operate really well, just in a completely different way. And if you expect to have a transfer of like your information to ours or like vice versa, it's mm-hmm. not going to work. But once you figure out how to, uh, understand the difference between them. It's like, oh, this is how you write your code. This is how we write our code. Then you can start to have that translation that you were talking about between the people. Um, and again, speaking of not being able to understand where you were going with things, like how many times during our conversations and podcasting, like we'll be going on a tangent. And I'll just stop. Like I'll freeze. Like I had a thought. <laughs> what was it? Oh shit. I don't, it'll come back. It sometimes quite, it does. Yeah, sometimes we'll start talking about other stuff. Like, oh, yeah, I remember. Like, okay, let's go back. It Honestly, and, it cracks me up because there's a lot of, like, psychological thrillers and stuff. Like, there's a new one. I'm blanking out on what it is that's supposed to be coming out soon where there's a woman who keeps – it's like she's, It's like a horror movie where she keeps getting, like, sucked back into, like – she's an African-American woman. And she keeps getting sucked back into, like, the 18-whatevers where she's in the time that there is slavery – and it's like this mental like fuck where all of a sudden she'll be standing there and she'll just get like sucked out of the space and mm-hmm. she'll just be somewhere else. And I'm like, in a sense, I'm like, I'm laughing because I'm like, these are like horror movies. <laughs> I was like, this is my every day. <laughs> I said, I'll be in one thing thinking about one thing and all of a sudden it is like gone. Like it is like I have stepped. You're quite literally transported. I have literally time moved into a completely different room. Like I'm not even, it's like, whoop. Yep. like that's why I say like when it feels like someone took the tablecloth and just did one of those tricks where they swipe it out from underneath the plates and the cups and everything stays exactly where it is. And you're like, something was here a second ago. <laughs> like, wait a second. Like, that that's what it is like you're like there was a thought here i know there was Mm -hmm. and the harder you think about it it's like the further it gets from your brain like you're like almost pushing it by thinking too hard about it and it's gone it sucks Mm -hmm. that makes sense i'm also curious to know do you have any physical um reactions to adhd for me 
um, fabrics and textures of things are oversensitizing to me, like from a physical touch standpoint. So there are certain, like when I go shopping for clothes, like there's certain things like if there's, I love tagless shirts. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with tagless shirts. If there's a tag on my shirt and I can feel it, it will be the only thing I think about all day, every day until I cut that fucking thing off. And even then when I cut it off, if there's that little bit left that like tickles my neck, I'll throw the whole fucking shirt away because I can't stand it that much. I will feel everything before I even try it on. Mm-hmm. It could be the cutest fucking shirt I've ever seen in my entire life. If I feel it, I'm like, oh, hell no. I'm like, no, 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 nope. no. Everything I own is like soft and fuzzy or I will spend more on a t-shirt to get the tri-blend fabric instead mm-hmm. of just the regular cotton because it's scratchy and it's irritating. And it's like another sense of that hyper sensation of that kind of aspect and physical touch. And like it's kind of that way not only with fabrics and things at least for me it's also that way like when trying to like connect with a partner there are certain times where like i'm really into physical touch and it's not overstimulating and i love being cuddled up and i you know love being wrapped up and it's wonderful and there's other times where like you touch me even a little bit and i'm like like this is like too there's like so much happening like there's too much going on like i Mm -hmm. just i can't it's not that I don't like you. It's not that I don't love everything about it. It's just like I – there's – It's, it's it right too now. much. Yeah. Like it's it's physically yeah. – like it feels like – I don't even know like how to describe it. It's just that oversensitized like when you have too much going on like and you feel like you almost want to throw up a little bit because you're just like, oh my god. Like it's just – it's too much. That's the only way I can describe it. But I'm like it's, it's very heightened for me. And I've had other people, I don't know if that's one of the seven, is like that kind of sensation mixed in there somewhere. I'm not sure. But some people experience the physical side of it and some people don't. So is that something that you... Yep. Okay. So I completely relate to the clothes aspect um, where it would not have been something I would have thought about. But when you put it that way, it's like I am incredibly particular about what I'll buy based on how it feels, mm-hmm. um, but also how it fits. Like undergarments? Like mm-hmm. do you like for underwear or boxers or whatever, like do you have like one company yep. that you're like, these are the ones, I'm going to buy them forever. Yep. I hope they don't ever stop making this model or this whatever. I gotta find a new version uh-huh. that's as good. Because <laughs> like once you've accepted like this is how it fits, I'm no longer distracted by it being different or it feeling yeah, a certain because everything's con- continuous right and you it just accumulates like well my jeans fit weirdly and then my underwear fits weirdly and the undershirt feels that and i can feel the tag right there and it's like this is kind of scratchy and it's like it's too tight through the shoulders all it doesn't go mm-hmm. away like so, every time you move you're yeah. like god there's that shoulder really fucking tight again like blah 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 and you just want to rip the shirt off your body like, one of the first things that you learn in like a a neurology class with an exercise science and they talk about how the body will adapt incredibly quickly to certain sensations and one example that they'll use is they talk about clothes like as soon as you put it on you feel your shirt or you feel your pants your socks whatever for a couple of seconds and then your body just says oh this is permanent we're going to have this throughout the day so we don't need to send that input to the brain we don't need to recognize that input anymore it's still there we just adapt. Yeah, you kind of throw it to the background. You don't think about it. That doesn't happen when things are a very particular way. Mm-hmm. So, like the tag you're talking about, like it doesn't stop sending the signal. Like God, I just want, oh, I just want to cut that fucking thing off, and you can't wait to do it. 
the same thing happens for me with like auditory. Mm-hmm. It could be a song that in other situations I don't mind hearing, and there are certain days where it's like turn it off, turn that off, turn yep. turn the fucking music off. I swear to God, if I hear that again. There's there's a song right now, and I I never listen to like my iPhone library. I don't actually know how to get the music off of it currently. I thought I already did. I usually always listen to my Spotify, but there's one song where if I like plug it in, it just auto starts. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God, if I hear those three notes again, I'm going to literally throw a fucking semi truck through a wall. Like I feel that amount of rage <laughs> in my body. When I hear those notes, because I'm just so fucking sick of hearing them, like mm-hmm. I, I don't want to hear them. I'm picturing, I'm hearing them in my mind right now, and it's it's making me angry. Like that's let's where think, I'm at. I'm think of a different song. <laughs> <laughs> Change your mind. But uh, it is but, but don't you don't sense. you have trouble also with like lighting and that yeah, kind of stuff? So, it was, was it the same kind of thing, or is that different? Yes. Um, it's only I would say it's only different in that there are physiological reasons that I know the lighting affects me. So, like the yellow glasses, the blue mm-hmm. blocking glasses that I'm wearing that no one can see. Um, what? Uh, when Does we were playing, somebody mentioned, I came in for a poker night and they're yeah. like, oh, he's serious. He's got his gaming glasses well, on. Well, because, like, I, I told you, like, in the poker world, it's normal for people to wear sunglasses or hats oh, okay. and try to hide their face from towels. So, it's a normal kind of thing where mm-hmm. some people kind of freak out because right now we don't have the overhead fluorescent lights on because I know it upsets, yeah. like, your eyes and it gives you a headache and all those kind of things. But when we were playing poker, like, it's the only lighting source I have in the room at the moment. Right. So, we had to have it on. So, I told you, like, wear your glasses. It's no mm-hmm. problem. No one's going to think twice of it. And then somebody makes some smart-ass comment. But then it was just gone. It was no yeah. big deal. It was, it was, was off laughing. the thing. Yeah. It's like, I could have gone upstairs and gotten sunglasses because it's like, yeah. it's a normal thing in the Are poker Are those gunner world. glasses? No, uh, Gunner is a video game company, and they make the the really nice uh, blue blockers that are like the yellow tint. One, I just didn't know if that was the oh, brand that you were. The True Dark. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay, I I have the same thing on my glasses. I because my my regular you know day to day glasses they have blue block. It's not the yellow tint, but they they offer a blue blocker yes. shield now. Yes. And I I do get it put on because it's similar to what he's saying. You know, if I'm working on stuff in my office, I do have those lights over my office, and I. I have a, a lamp type situation that I made out of rope light because I actually have a random beam in the center of my office, which is like kind of in the corner. And so I put rope light inside the beam and there's times where I'm, I'm, I got so much to work on and I'm just overstimulated that I'll turn my light off and I'll just have the light and just that mm-hmm. ambient light. Like I just zone out and I focus so much harder. It's just, yep. it's very distracting when you do have those beaming light beams that, you know, you just can't escape. My <laughs> office at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, went and purchased a light that I could dim specifically, so I could turn the overheads off and just have that. And it's it's probably about this, yeah. maybe a little bit softer, like a nice soft, yep. like yellow light. And I've had people walk by and they're like, "Is there something wrong? Like with your overhead? Is it, do we need to put a work order in? Mm-hmm. Does it work?" It's like, "No, it works fine. I just don't want it on because I can't focus. Mm-hmm. Um, if I stare at a computer screen for too long, like I get mentally exhausted. Like it's just it's very draining." for me to look at that kind of blue light um which is you know a bigger reason for having the glasses on but if i were in a store like it's the bright light that comes from just like a regular like target or something like that it is it's overstimulating and not just from like the blue light aspect but lighting is a big one um I'm very particular about how much light I want on in my apartment and in what room and in what way. Um, 
at what time of day. Uh, I, at all times, prefer natural lighting. Uh-huh. Like, it's... Yep. <laughs> e- like, even if it's, quote-unquote, brighter, it's always feels, like, softer. It's ambient. Yeah. It's still ambient because it's bouncing, and mm-hmm. it's not just, like, one... It's not, like... It's a different... Area. Yeah, it's difference between, like, it you know, being yeah. spread out across everything versus, like, feeling like a lantern blasting from, like, one central mm-hmm. space. Which is but, funny because, like, when we were getting ready and you were, like, you had those blasting windows on the other side and it, you were like, I didn't even think of this. And we're, I'm like, that's all I can see is, like, <laughs> <laughs> this blasting light, which is, like, fine now. But it's just, like, it's just another explanation of, you know, where our brains are at. They're not they're not in the same place. <laughs> so I would say the light one is definitely, it's twofold. But I think it's also crazy to me that if something such as like really bright windows has context for why it should be there. There are times where I no longer find it distracting because my brain says, Oh, that's supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And for example, like when I did musical theater, like you have lights just blaring down on you. You can't see the audience. It gets so bright in your eyes and it's not an adaptation where you're like, well, I'm used to this. It's like, no, this is what, it's supposed to be like this is what theater is and i don't know where that came from if someone like ever said that to me or if i just made the connection in my head but i know like that's not the only time but that's an easy example where once the context or the circumstances justify what would in other cases be overstimulating it doesn't happen i have the same oh when you said that i was like holy shit but i have the same thing like i have an extreme fear of spiders Mm -hmm. i hate them I try not to hate them. I try to like name them, you know, all the fun tricks of like, you see one in your house, give it a name. And I don't give a fuck. Steve's going to die. Like, <laughs> you know, like I just, I don't care. But I love being outside and I love camping. And it's funny to me because if I see a spider where a spider is supposed to quote, quote, be, which is out in the woods. Yeah, or, not my damn house. Then I, I am, I can go up to it with my camera and I can stand two feet away from it and take a picture of it. And I'm fascinated by it and its natural habitat and I want to learn about it. And there's the sense of anxiety around it is like not really there. But if I see that thing 20 feet away, like on the wall of my house, I'm like, okay, all right, men, like here's, here's <laughs> like what we're going to do. And there's like a war zone set up, you know, and it's like, now we got to attack this fucking spider. And it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, like, what is the difference? It's the same spider. Mm-hmm. It's the same fucking spider, only now it's in my space versus, like, it being but in But that's the thing, space. though, is it's, it's in your place of refuge. It's a place where you're supposed to be safe and but secure. It's just, and- but it's in general. It's, like, inside in general. Like, it's not just my house. Like, if I'm in a restaurant or something and I see one in the corner, like, I could feel the same way. Like, it's just, like, it's the idea, like, that he's saying, like, well, this is supposed to happen. Like, yeah. Spiders are supposed to be in nature. They're supposed to be out here in the woods on this branch. It's mm-hmm. not a surprising situation for me to find him <laughs> staring at me from this like leaf right now. Like, you know, and like so yep. that like it's not fearful because it makes sense. But when there's a giant fucking spider chilling on my ceiling at home, like that doesn't make sense. Like, yes, there's a logic behind the fact that like it's getting colder. There's probably a crack or a something somewhere where he found his way in and he's just literally trying to find warmth. And logical brain's like, yeah, I get that. The logical brain is he's got fifty men waiting to attack me in my sleep and I'm gonna end up on the fucking next cover of the Goosebumps novel with like spider <laughs> eggs in my face. Like that's like where my brain goes. It's it doesn't nothing makes sense. 
I get it. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> no, I get it. Spiders and snakes. Oof. Yowzers. But what I think is fun is like this conversation in general, I don't think I could have had when I was first diagnosed. Like, I just not capable of understanding like what was going on with my brain and like what I was going through and what I needed. Cause you asked it one, like what were the things, the coping mechanisms, like when you were first diagnosed, right? Um, I didn't, like, I didn't have any, like I said, like it was utter chaos prior and it was just medication. And initially when they did the test on me, they didn't want to put me on a stimulant cause it was, um, it was the Kent state health center. Mm. So, mm-hmm with it being a college doctor or a doctor at a college, they were very hesitant oh, yeah. to do anything with yeah. stimulants. So I had to go to my family physician, say like, Hey, I was tested. Here's the thing. And when they gave me the prescription, then the university would honor it from there. But that was it. That was the extent of management. There weren't conversations about what is it going to be like? What can you do? How can you expect things? And you know, Implement mm-hmm. strategies. Here's a pill. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Most, yeah. Uh, yeah. Most of this is self-exploration yeah, of, of just strict getting so fed up with not understanding why I think certain ways that it led me to mm-hmm. want to start researching why I don't think that way. And you try one. It's like, yeah. well, that didn't work. Let me try the next one. Oh, that didn't work. And then, right. yeah, try listening to one. podcasts or yep. watching YouTube videos or following certain people on Instagram who have like ADD channels that have little tidbits about experiences. And then you, you, all it takes is you connecting to one thing that you didn't realize was connected to ADD. Yep. And then you're like, well, what the fuck else is there? And then mm-hmm. you start, but like for a lot of people, like you don't realize that it's not even something you need to explore because you trust your doctor. And you assume that this pill or this solution that they gave you is the solution. Because if there was more, they would have said something. They would something. have said something. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's absolutely not the case at all because for most doctors, it's they do not have a holistic kind of viewpoint. It's rare to find a doctor who also has a holistic viewpoint. And I'm speaking from experience as well. Like, I think, you I think know, a lot of and, people would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not trying to be, you know, like, fuck the system. Like, I'm not that type of person, but I'm just saying in general, like, you know, there's times where, like, I went, I had a couple panic attacks. I've never had panic attacks before. This is a couple years ago, you know, and I went to the doctor and, and he, there was no conversation at all about, is there anything going on in your life that could be, you know, is there anything different? Is there anything shifting? Like, what could be handling this panic attack no the conversation was here's the list of medications you have to choose from and that was the conversation that we had here's your menu and i remember explicitly being like offended like you didn't even give you didn't even ask like anything about me at all in any way shape or form it was just here's this list of appropriate medication to handle this symptom of this patient and that's it here you go bye-bye that's the one thing I will give Kent State credit for, and I do not give them credit for a lot of things. Um, <laughs> they said, like, listen, if we put you on medication, one of the requirements is not just the testing, but you have to meet with a psychologist, like, every two weeks. Like, you have to make sessions as part of this so that, like, that therapy aspect was as much of a part as the medication was going to be. Um, and the initial medication they put me on, I mean, it didn't do jack shit. It didn't change anything. But 
come back to your point about finding out that there's this holistic approach. Mine was more diet related than anything because at the time I didn't realize I had celiacs. So I was on Adderall from age 21 to 26 and they just kept upping my dose until I was at the max dose. Like there were times I was, I can remember one of them in particular, I'm sitting at my desk trying to do work and I like, I'm just like rocking back and forth. I feel my heart pounding and there's sweat going down my back. Just drugged out. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I had so much stimulant in me that there's like, well, we can't, we don't know what to do other than increase your dose. Because that's healthy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fuck your adrenal glands. So <laughs> I, uh, at that time, when I turned 26, I came off my mom's insurance, my parents' insurance, and I didn't have insurance lined up. So the doctors just dropped me. I came off of Adderall, cold turkey. Ooh, isn't that really dangerous? Yeah. It was awful. It was a fucking terrible experience. And I told myself, okay, we can't be reliant on a pill mm-hmm. to take care of this anymore. Because first of all, it wasn't doing a great job anyway. And look at what happened when you came off. So we have to try to fix this, you know, ourselves. Um, talking to myself in the like plural version. So found out I have celiacs, made this huge diet change, which was around like 20, late 27, 28. And like all of a sudden with, I was doing it because I was tired all the time, not for the ADD aspect. And that started slowly getting better and better without me like realizing it until you hit these couple of milestones along the way. Like, holy shit, I feel pretty good. Like I just focused on something like I got this project done or I worked on it longer than I was expecting to, or I didn't get nearly as distracted when I was having that conversation, whatever it is, like these small things like that felt weird. (laughs) <laughs> what just happened? Like, yeah. That went really well. I wasn't expecting it. And then it, maybe it was a fluke. You know, that could happen. It's happened before. And then it kept happening. And then more of it kept happening and just kept opening up over the years, you know, as I stuck with the diet. And then, you know, that leads you to like, okay, well, if taking gluten out helped, are there other things? And so then you find out like, yeah, I shouldn't be having oats. Like for me personally, I had to do blood work, like find all this out. But then you you know you cut out foods that you have these sensitivities to, and that decreases inflammation. And then you learn about the inflammation's role in the whole aspect of having, you know, fatigue issues and ADHD issues, and that leads you into looking at sleep and trying to get that all sorted out. And then finally, recently, uh, in the last year, I was put back on uh, a stimulant called Adzenas, and it's supposed to be more tolerated than Adderall. But that was only after all this other work was done and found out that, okay, well, if I take this one thing in the morning, I do pretty well. And it doesn't feel anything like what it was like on being on this like really high dose. Because you weren't I, hopped up on stimulants. Yeah, I was terrified to go back on anything. I told her, I was like, listen, this is my prior experience. Like, when you sit there and have heart palpitations, but all you're doing is typing on the computer, like, that's going to scare the shit out of anybody. And they're like, okay, well, like, we'll start at a low dose and we can, like, bring you up. And, you know, they ended up bringing me up to where it was, like, it's on the upper range for that particular stimulant. It's really not that high in general. And made all the difference in the world just because you have somebody who is kind of willing to hear you out on, like, how much do we actually need? Mm-hmm. And they were much better about taking into account like the holistic approach. Now they weren't doing the holistic approach. That was my responsibility. 
to try to fill in the gaps on everything else because I like I don't think people we don't have a system of medical care where people can expect to have their medical provider be responsible for a holistic approach unless they go to like a functional medicine doctor and even then some of them just aren't very good I think in general it's always a good practice though regardless of what you have or what you're suffering from or what you're seeing a doctor from it's always good to do your own research mm-hmm. and do what like you you need to listen to yourself and there's things that are going to connect with you personally that you feel are the right thing to do and there's things that you should just practice yourself regardless mm-hmm. of you know there's a certain reason why people drink tea when they have a sore throat you know and things like that it's as simple as that is just listening to your body and what you need and the doctor is going to be able to provide a greater insight but at the end of the day you know there's a reason that we got here to where we are hundreds of thousands of years later you know from cave people and stuff is because we listened to ourselves and we mm-hmm. you know understood what we needed when we needed it so there's a balance of you know, doing your own research and finding out what you particularly need because, you know, these are our experiences, obviously, mm-hmm. that we're talking about here and everybody's experience is a lot different and everyone has their own thing. So, like, if you're feeling off about something, it's absolutely beneficial to do your own research and, yeah. you know, compliment whatever the hell the doctor's trying to do. <laughs> I mean, I think it's understanding it enough to at least talk or have a more intelligent conversation of like how you're feeling. Because like a lot of doctors talk about the biggest problem that they have is like misdiagnosis because they get wrong information from the patient because they just don't know what they don't know. It's not their fault. Yeah. They just they just don't know what they don't know. So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's about possibly educating yourself a little bit more so you can have a more intelligent conversation. And there's also a big reason why like I trust you, Dane, and my chiropractor, Dr. Max, like more than I trust my technical family doctor just because he's been in practice for so many years and when I go to see him, it's like, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Okay, great. Here's some drugs. Got on my got on my face because insurance dictates that he only has so many minutes yeah. per patient. And he's got to do all this other kind of stuff. And yeah, he tries to do continue education and learn about these things. But there's so many different things. It's yeah. like he doesn't have time to figure out everything. I understand that. So mm-hmm. it's like unless I'm like super sick, it's like I'm not going to go bother him because what's the point? Mm-hmm. You know. In that same vein, I mean, heck, that's why functional medicine got to where it is now even though it's incredibly expensive to do because it just hasn't become mainstream. Yes, that's the thing. Is it's not mainstream yet. They have experts or professionals or specialists within their circles. Like, hey, we have a nutritionist that you're going to talk to, and we have this person who's going to do the blood work, and we have this person who's going to do psychology, and they, this yeah. person's going to look at, um, like, they're your primary physician who's going to kind of, like, oversee everything as a result of it. But they are you know, filling in those gaps of expertise that often like what you're finding, you have to then you're doing it by having myself or having Dr. Max as a specialist in our particular field. Like if I tried to give medical advice, first of all, that's way outside my scope. I could lose my license as a massage therapist, but that aside, like I don't know jack shit about that. Like I know what I know and I'm good at what I do and that's it. Yes, but you're also pushing the boundaries and listening to podcasts and trying to understand things at a different level, whereas I don't think that the traditional like family doctors are doing that. And because you recognize that, it's like, all right, you're going to come to me with trust in that field, and that's it. And then, you know, you fill in your gap on with, you know, Dr. Max, and you fill in your gap with, like, other specialists, and kind of like what you were saying, where, like, yeah, I think people should do that with everything. Like, you, it should be their responsibility to try to 
and you know, educate themselves. And part of that education is finding the right person who is going to be able to help them with one particular area and do their best to create a synergistic whole. Speaking of, that just went off on a tangent. I don't <laughs> I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Let's let's uh, wrap this up here. I, I want to get your guys' opinion, just from your own personal experiences and whatnot. Of like, I I personally have have a friend who have a child that I think was in junior high, like early, early high school, mm-hmm. was kind of diagnosed with like some sort of like ADD or ADHD or something. No medications came of it, I think, for except like a very low dosage of like an antidepressant. Okay. Because they kind of weren't, weren't functioning very well. It was nothing, nothing too crazy. And then I think that kind of stopped after a couple of years and they kind of weaned off of it. And then they had some bad experiences with therapy and that kind of stuff and just didn't find one that kind of clicked with them. And I always tell people when they're talking about therapy, I'm like, they're not equated equal. Oh, God, no, they're not. You got to find one that's good for you, that you have good trust in, that feels good. You got to trust your gut on that one. All right, so they were kind of against going to therapy and doing that kind of stuff and doing the work that they probably needed to be doing to work on themselves to understand some of the issues that they were having, right? Mm -hmm. So now this child is now in college and – um, from the previous diagnosis was like, hey, I need help with testing, went into like the school doctors and said, hey, I was diagnosed with ADD. I got this kind of issue. I can't focus for tests. Like I can understand all the material, but then I go and I blank out. I just, I can't think of anything. I'm, and I'm failing all my classes. Like I don't know what's going on. And the, the doctors on, on campus were like, oh, well, you had a, a concussion when you were younger. So that's the, the issue of what's going on here. So it's not that. Don't worry about it. Yeah. And since then, like, they've learned ways to kind of cope with it and kind of figure out the best they could, you know, but it's still not going well. Like, like again, kind of what you guys were talking about, like, the things that they were interested in, in their, like, studying uh, for their major and whatnot, they're doing very well in mm-hmm. because they can focus, they can study, they can do those kind of things. But then some of the other things, like math and English and the other bullshit stuff that you kind of have to just get through, yeah. like, they just blank out and they're going crazy. Well... Since then, they started seeing a therapist from like a traumatic experience that had happened. And then that led into um, them being supervised by the therapist because they're just like, uh, I think, like a grad student kind of thing. So they're not like professional, professional. They're getting okay. hours in so they can become professionals, right? Mm-hmm. So then their supervisor was sitting in and noticed like, hey, did you notice that when that person was engaged and they were doing this they were up and they were moving they were they were pacing they were always fidgeting and playing and it's like that's classic like add adhd it's like we need to get them to go see a professional so they can get either on medication and or get the special testing where they don't just sit in the class at the focus they can be somewhere else so they can take more time and be up and move and and walk and think and do those kind of things to allow them to get through school because again it's not that they're not smart enough. It's not that they're not grasping right. the concepts. They just literally learn or think in a different way. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are your guys' thoughts on something like that? Because it's like, it's got to be super frustrating. I'm jealous. How so? Because that shit was not acceptable or even a thing when I was fucking growing up. So yeah. like the fact that that would even be something that would be an option, like, oh, let's just move this person over here where they can think better. I'm like, really? Well, That's the, a fucking thing? Fuck you. But, but the problem is like they're trying to do that so they can get through and the school's been saying, I'm, fuck you, you're just being well, lazy. That's, that's, a, that's a joke from my perspective, just a little bit, just because I'm like, well, fuck, like, I struggled through this. But I, I honestly think of like, it's the same thing as like, I think a lot of people think of like, you know, what if this was cancer? If you didn't like the answer, if your doctor was just like, oh, there's nothing we can do for you, you're just going to die. 
would you just be like, okay, like that's the only answer. Let's just go with that. Or would you go explore other options? Like it's the same concept, probably not as like, you know, imminently terrifying, but it's the same concept of like, that's one doctor on one campus in one place with one opinion. Yeah. You know, if you feel differently about it, you should absolutely go explore that however you feel that you need to, whether that's going to see another doctor or going to a different therapist or maybe, you know, I feel like ADHD and ADD is becoming so much more talked about nowadays with Instagram reels and YouTube influencers and all this kind of stuff that there's got to be some kind of like social group meetup or you know there's things out there at this point that like you can probably go just explore what it means to have ADD or ADHD and like just see if like you know on your own determination that's something that's like really hard I know is one of the side effects of ADHD is you have really bad self-awareness in a lot of situations you think you got it down but you have no fucking clue actually reality like what Mm-hmm. You know, how you're actually being like, what's actually happening around you, I guess. And so it's really easy for you, like, you to like always feel in the background like, no, like something's wrong, like something's off. But people who, quote unquote, should know what the hell they're talking about, like a doctor or a professional or somebody who's supposed to be like the master of their field, like all these people who are supposed to be so fucking smart tell you that you're wrong, you believe them. Even though in your gut, you're like, no, Mm -hmm. something's wrong. Like, something doesn't feel right. And it's like, listen to that. That's powerful. Don't dismiss yourself at all. You know, and if you don't, that's one opinion of one person. And if you truly feel like you've explored other options, you're doing your due diligence of exploring other things. And I did my share of exploration when it came to medication. You know, I I was having a lot of issues with anxiety and depression, and that's where my exploration kind of restarted as an adult. So I had medication for anxieties, and I had medication for depression, and while they helped in their own individual little silos, there was still this overarching, like, it's hitting it, but it's not really doing like what I really need it to do. Like, I don't feel like this is the, like the end all be all solution. It was close, but it wasn't quite enough. It was close, but it wasn't quite enough. And it was one of those things where I'm like, God, and it was to the point where like, there was a couple medications and one was for depression. I forget what the name of it was, but it was an extended release. And it was like, no matter what I did, no matter how much lunch I ate, didn't eat, whatever it was at clock, like every single day, like four 30 to five o'clock, I would like involuntarily like vomit. And it was like two or three times on the way home where I would just be like literally driving my car and all of a sudden I'm like, and I'm like on my lap and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And I'm like, this is not worth this. (laughs) Like the payoff is absolutely not fucking worth this. And like, but that's what's hard is like when you have ADD, like you will consistently tell yourself, no, you're wrong because this other person should know more than you. So just keep taking this pill and just it should work like this is what they told you to do. So just do it. And you like you don't always listen to yourself. It's a big thing I had to learn is you're not you're not smart. You're not stupid. Like what you have what the thoughts going through your head are valid. You should follow up with those. Not everybody else knows everything, you know. And so it for me, when I finally convinced my doctor, I said, no, like I want to try this. Because I was diagnosed when I was in like third grade and like nothing ever came of it. And I'd like to really revisit this. I feel strongly that I have revisited it 
in a couple other departments and it hasn't worked and I'm just asking for just to revisit it. And if it doesn't work, then cool. We've crossed it off the list, but I want mm-hmm. to revisit this. And when I f- took that first pill, it was quite literally the, the explanation I give is it was like a Claritin commercial where they have that that fuzzy thing that's just this haze over everything. And all of a sudden you peel it off and you're like, holy fuck, this is how people think. Like you can think about something, answer somebody's question. And when you come back, that thing is still fucking there. It didn't just drift off into space. Are you serious? It was like the most life-changing experience just to be like, holy fuck, because it covered everything. Like it literally covered it all. It was like the like the emotional regulation. It wasn't so much of these drastic up, down, up, downs. The, mm-hmm. the, the valleys and the peaks had shortened. So there were still, I was still feeling things, but it wasn't like, oh my God, this is the best point I've ever had in my life. And then the next moment was, this is the lowest I've ever been in my life. It was just, oh, I'm having a great day or, oh, I'm having a not so great day. Like it it regulated, it just pulled everything together. And I, when, you know, when you were talking about your medication, you know, situation and stuff, like when I revisited it as an adult, I had the opportunity to really think about the type of medication that I wanted and how I really wanted it to fit into my lifestyle. So a big strong point for me was when I went in, I said, I do not want anything habit forming. I want nothing to be brought to my attention at all. That is something that I can't just not take when I don't want to and take when I need to because there's going to be weekends and things where like I want to give myself a break from this minute. It's not great for your heart. None of them are great for your heart. You know, and so every once in a while, I'm like, if I don't absolutely need this, like I'm not going into like a huge meeting or I don't have a giant presentation to make where I need to be on point. If I just really just want to go get lost in the woods today on a hike, I don't want to have to like, I don't want to have a horrible withdrawal because I'm not having the medication. And that was a big thing. That's that was my lifestyle. I said, that's how I want to live. I don't ever want to be dependent. And I also know that as far as ADD, it's really fucking hard for me to remember to do stuff regularly, especially when I don't have it like built into my calendar and stuff. So for me, like, it's hard enough to do stuff as it is on a regular basis. And then you want me to have a horrible consequence if my brain, which naturally forgets stuff, forgets to do something. Like, mm-hmm. fuck no. I'm not signing up for that. There's no way in hell I'm signing up for that. That scares the shit out of me. So I refused to even have the doctor talk, talk to me about anything that even fit in that category. I didn't want Adderall. I wanted nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. So the one that I chose is one that's just an extended release. I take it in the morning. It usually lasts pretty much throughout the day. Usually starts cutting off about, you know, when I'm done making dinner. And it's perfect timing for me because, you know, when I sit down at the end of the day and I just kind of want to relax and sit on the couch and I can feel the medicine kind of coming down and like I can chill, you know, and, and that's it works really well for me and my lifestyle. And there's. I think at this point, a lot of different variations of the ADHD medication, ADD medication out there where you can go to your doctor and say, hey, I don't want A, B, and C at all. Don't mm-hmm. don't even tell me about those because they will. They'll just say, well, this is popular. Here you go. And it's like, well, no, no, no. Like you have to do the due diligence of thinking about how you live. You know what? Like I can't do like med- like there's certain medications like when I was on, I was on birth control for a long time. I ended up trying the arm implant one for a while because I'm like, I'm horrible at this. And they say like, 
if you don't take this at the exact same time every single day, like the, the percentage of it working just goes down the crapper. And I'm like, my memory's shit. <laughs> like I'm in a different place all the time where I'll forget the pill at home or I won't, you know, have it with me or I'll forget my water bottle or, you know, whatever the fuck it is. It ends up being a different time every day and it's like it could be off by a half hour. It could be off by three hours. It could – fuck, I forget it completely and it's like I know I'm not good with medication that isn't a time-regulated thing like that. I know that's a really bad situation for me. So I purposely said to the doctor like I do not want something that's going to fuck with me if like I need to take it every single day at the same time. Like that's just not – it's not a strong point, you know, so I feel like, you, yeah, it's it's self-awareness, which is hard for ADD people in the first place, but knowing yourself and what's going to, like, help you in every aspect of it and just being calm about being confident and, yes, you've realized that you need something and, yes, it's fine that you've realized that now take action instead of panicking, I think, is, like, the only resolution to get things done and everybody kind of approaches that differently and it's hard, but... As long as it works for you, that's what's important. Yeah. It's a lot of (laughs) self-research. I can definitely relate to the school testing part. So one of the things about ADD or ADHD is that you are supposed to be tested like every three years if you're going to be medicated um, in order for them to justify giving you, I I forget the class, class two stimulants, something like that. because they're trying to do a better job of regulating like how much of that is going on. So I was in, I was getting my master's at the time and I needed to be retested. And I told my physician, well, well, they have testing actually at the university and I'm going there for counseling anyway. So while I'm there, would it be okay if I had them do the ADHD testing and I bring you the results? They said, yes. So I went through the process And it was, when I say lengthy, I mean months of trying to get this testing done. Jesus. Scheduled or completed? Uh, Both. Okay. So it took a long time. And there was like four parts that they had to do. And so I'd do part one. And they'd be like, all right, we need to schedule you. And it would take like two months before I could get in again. And then the next thing. And just kept going. Um, And I remember part of it was just like a verbal and a written questionnaire uh, the next part, they did an IQ test. IQ test didn't get done in time for that session, so I had to come back and finish it on a third. And then there was a computer test where you sit there and like you click every time that, like something repeats or comes up on the screen. And they have a video that records you to like see how much you're moving as you're going through it. They get done, and they're like, well, based on how you did with the, you know, the questionnaire makes it look as if you have... ADHD just based on your responses Um, but with the IQ test and then with the computer test uh, it doesn't seem like you are dysfunctional enough to qualify (laughs) what and I thought okay uh, can would you mind going over the scores with me and so they show me the IQ test and then they show me the results from the computer test and the IQ above normal computer test normal. And I said, does that seem like a likely comparison for someone who has this level of intelligence? Should they be performing here? Because I understand that looking at this, like I'm at a normal level. 
Shouldn't this one reflect the intelligence? Shouldn't they be in some way related? Well, yes, but it's high enough that we don't think that you have any kind of dysfunction. It doesn't <laughs> qualify. So we don't think that you have ADD. We think that you have anxiety and depression. I was like, no shit, I have anxiety and depression. <laughs> I had that diagnosed already years ago. I don't need you to tell me what I have or don't have. I need you to sign a piece of paper stating what I already know that I have. I was livid. Understandably so. Because of how long it took to do this, the steps that I went through thinking that I was doing the right thing, only to have them come back to what I can only imagine is their attempt to not shuttle resources to something that they feel would be used better in a different scenario. I don't want help with testing or homework or you know special accommodations. I just need the piece of paper so that I can go to my doctor and have them continue giving me the medication that I know works. Which is interesting. I've never been told to test <clears throat> it, or I've never had a test. I've never anything. So Besides the YouTube test. So I exactly <laughs> I can definitely understand the frustration of being told, oh, no, no, no. You don't have what you think you have. It's just trauma. Yeah, because I know that like the, the, the student going into college was feeling very dismissed and no one was listening to them mm -hmm. and it was a problem. And it's like, you're supposed to be here to help me and to listen to me. And you're just like saying, no, it was, it was because you had a concussion when you were younger. So just get out of here. And it's like, hold on a second. And so come back to your point. Absolutely. Like if you realize like in your gut, something's off and someone is essentially dismissing you with their answer, like apps, go get a second opinion. Do, and if, especially if you have, you know, a specialist who during one of the sessions is saying like, this is pretty classic indication of like ADHD. Like, absolutely. Go get, a, and then you show up and you're like, Hey, fucktards. Uh, this piece of paper says, sorry. Oh, that's a proper term. I just love that you used it. I just, that like, the, I'm so proud right now. That is, that is the proper term. It's like, here's a piece of paper that says that I've been diagnosed with having ADD or ADHD, regardless of what you want to recognize or not, you need to accommodate this. I feel like that is a, like a trend. Like there's, I haven't been like formally diagnosed, I guess. Well, I mean, I have been, but not like I haven't had any like testing or, you know, and like for me, like it's always like. I know that this is a thing. I have literally fought this and like known that I was different and stood out and struggled in so many areas like my entire life. This is not a fictional situation to me at all, but you know, it's still this scheduled drug. Mm -hmm. It's still, there's so many ways that people can be like, oh, you don't get this anymore. And there is this fear behind like, but I know how I function when I have it. And it's so much calmer and so much more like, this is what I need to do. Let's just do it. And it's like as simple as that sounds for people with ADHD who know how fucking hard that is to do. It is wonderful when you find something that actually does it. Mm -hmm. So it's it's frustrating like for me right now. My grand my grandest fear is I have my medical marijuana card. So I use medical marijuana for a facet of things. Right now, a majority of it is emotional regulation because as much as I do have ADHD and I know that I do take medicine for it, I also recognize that there are other things that are going on in my life that are making my mood spike a little bit more than they probably would normally, just life changes and things like that. So I'm using different things, you know, as far as indica and sativa to just, you know, if I'm having a day where I'm a little bit not as 
pepped up and ready to go as I, you know, I'll take that low dose, you know, sativa gummy or whatever and just give myself that extra pep and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's something I've done for years and it's something I will continue to do. But in the eyes of the medical field, if I take a drug test and I test for marijuana, regardless of if it's a medical program or not, they could easily say, no, you don't get this other medication anymore and just take me off of it. And that's scary for me because I'm like, well, I no one's been able to fully explain to me why, why these two things can't play together. And not they, not and, to and, mention one is way safer than the other. But the other thing is like the, 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 the doctor that I had prior worked for, without calling out any specific practice, the practice that I went to was, was directly associated with the hospital system. So with that in mind, a lot of the things coming out of my doctor were regurgitations of what the hospital system believed in and not necessarily what my doctor believed in. Hmm. So in that regard, when I flat out asked him, how can, how can cannabis have a poor interaction with my ADD medication? He was like, oh, you know, it just, you know, it just you know, messes with your brain, like, uh, you know, and just had his hands up by his head. Oh, you know, just you does. spent seven fucking it. years in school. But that's the explanation to have that, that I be got. your explanation. Exactly. So that's why I'm there like, there isn't one. That's the thing. Good but that's, God. but that was my, that was my proof. Like that's, that's, that's where it's like, I'm not. That's where you need to. That's where I mean, where you, you come back to the fact of like, you need to trust your gut. Is that was my proof? You're supposed to be this incredibly smart person. That can at least give me a fucking answer, whether it's an answer I like or not. At least give me an answer, yeah, an educated answer. Mm-hmm. That's and, some and bullshit. You, and you could not give me the answer. You could not give me the answer. And the thing is, is like, like the only explanation I can think of is sativas sometimes can amp people's anxiety, make their heart rate rise. And I know that also ADD medication can also make your heart heart rate rise. So having those two play together might not be a fun experience, but if you also know what you're doing with cannabis and you understand enough about both situations, you can pair them just fine. Like if I know I took my ADD medication late and I need to get a good night's sleep, I'm going to go get a nice indica and I'm going to smoke the shit out of that. <laughs> sorry, vape. We're vaping in Ohio. We're vaping. Sorry. Um, but anyway, like I'm going to medicate with some indica and I'm going to pass out and it's going to be wonderful and I'm going to get a really good night's sleep and it's, you know, and that's how it's going to work for me. But like, it's just the idea of, you know, you're not always going to be told what's best for you, and there's there's not always a holistic. I you know, it may not be speaking on what he believes in. He may be speaking on the fact of this is what the hospital system that he That's works exactly for what believes because he doesn't want to get so fired. It, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you you can't always trust your doctor is doing the best thing for you because at the end of the day, it's sad to think that, but there's. Higher powers at work here, and mm-hmm. what organization do they work for? Who is behind their way of thinking? Will they get fired if they tell you A, B, and C? It's like, so you have to kind of do your own exploration in terms of, you know, then, okay, go get an opinion from somebody who doesn't work for a hospital system, yeah. who's not going to get in trouble for telling you what they actually believe or whatever, and just compare the two. Who knows? I don't know. Well, I had to do the exact same thing with like a hormone treatment. Mm-hmm. Like I was like really rough the last couple of years, and- I, I remember talking to my family doctor, like in my early 30s, saying, hey, I'd like to get some blood work done just to see where my hormones are at, this and that. He's like, oh, you're too young for that. I'm like, I get it, bro. But it's like, wouldn't we like to have like a baseline of where we're at? So if things start to go south, we can start to medicate and do something different. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like, hey, like shoot me up with all the steroids. Let's get <laughs> super jacked. I'm not like doing that kind of shit. But it's like, I just, I wasn't feeling well, but I had to talk to 
Like he's a technically, I think he's a nurse practitioner, not, not like a doctor, doctor. Um, but they basically are essentially, yeah. I mean, with with the training, essentially, it's the same kind of thing because he can prescribe medicine and do that kind of stuff. And he was just saying, like, okay, let's go get some blood work. Let's just see where things are at. So we did, and he's like, hey, some of these numbers are kind of low. It's like I don't think we need to do like testosterone therapy yet, but let's try something different to see if your mm-hmm. body can produce it. You know. So we started doing some different things, and like, I feel fucking a lot better. But mm-hmm. it, I like the fact that. I just had a follow-up with him um, from blood work I had done in September. Now, the results and stuff had finally come in. We talked about it. He's like, hey, things are looking good. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's keep on this. I'm like, hey, awesome. Game on. Let's let's keep doing this. He's like, every six months, let's do some more blood work just to make sure that we're not doing anything stupid. I'm like, yeah. game on. But I like the fact that, again... He's got like that, that holistic approach. Like they do all the ketamine therapy and all that kind of shit. It's like they're thinking outside the box mm-hmm. than traditional family doctors or whatever you want to call it. But it's like I, I like the fact that that's out there and I can make that phone call and I don't have to just go through my family doctor because my insurance says that they cover it. Mm-hmm. I would say in that same vein, um, the advice in addition to that that I would give is go into – uh, for the college student, go into this with the assumption that you are not going to get accommodations. And what can you do in order to help yourself out? And so mm-hmm. if it is, it, it might not be strategies necessarily because, you know, there's a thousand and one strategies that may or may not work. But find out, like we were talking about, do they have certain sensory stimulation that they can mitigate? So if it is like, all right, when I study, I make sure that like I listen to this playlist or I wear these headphones or um, I'm going to study only in this location. I'm going to wear these glasses because the bright lights in the classroom make everything worse. Uh, For things- me, yeah, something I picked up on really early was like I needed something to stimulate myself so I could pay attention to people talking about things that weren't interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So I would carry a sketchbook with me on top of my notes and I would turn my notes into sketchbook pages because I would write the notes and then I would be inspired by something. And while I was sketching, like my, my brain was actually listening to the professor more. And there was one, kind of giving yeah, it because I was giving it an opportunity to be fixated on something else. So it wasn't wandering as much. If I don't, if I'm not interested in what I'm listening to, it's like, la, 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 you know, off in wonderland. But if I had it something to fixate on, if I'm in science class and we're talking about beakers and I start illustrating a little beaker, you know, my note, you know, Pat, I'm still in the subject, but now I'm like actually paying attention. Mm. So there's, there's definitely complementary lifestyle choices that can be made to help yeah. you along like, your journey. I would definitely look at diet to help out with it. Um, I mean, there's research that where they're like, well, you shouldn't give sugar to people who have ADHD. Like, well, that's not true. There are aspects of it that are applicable, but like as a general blanket, like they've disproven that as a concept. However, having foods that will put you in a physical state that exacerbate some of the symptoms of ADHD has been shown to be true, but you need to do some work to figure out what those foods are. And it's not a blanket statement. Like, because everybody's I, different. We all right. understand that. I, like, One I, diet's not good for everyone. I never would have thought to myself, like, I was eating whole wheat bread sandwiches. Like, this is healthy. This mm-hmm. is whole wheat. Like, it has fiber. This is good for me. And it was ruining me, right? So the healthy option in that case was exactly the opposite of what my body needed. And until I did the work on that part, like, you just don't know. Um, so I would definitely encourage doing that. And that way, from that holistic aspect, 
if you're doing all of that because you're assuming you're not going to get help and then help comes through because you get a different opinion and they say, okay, we should probably try out some medications. It works so much better. Well, I think it's like anything like the, the drug isn't going to be this magical thing that fixes everything. It's going to be something that'll help you, Mm -hmm. but you've got to do other things to try to figure out what works best for you. Like anything. I think the other thing too, that's hard to recognize is for me, it was recognizing patterns because I, it's like a short term memory kind of situation. I remember a couple days in a row, but I'm not going to remember next month that like this also happened around this time this month, like that kind of stuff. So like, I feel like it was constantly feeling like there was something off, but they didn't ever feel related. And I didn't ever see a pattern between Mm -hmm. anything. So another thing that would be super helpful for people is, is keeping like a general like tracking journal of some kind. And like, I mean, things that are super unrelated. Like I was talking about my cycle earlier and how that like had a direct correlation with my mood, but there's also things that like, it's grander than that for me. And I've, I've recognized that more lately is when there's times where my stress level spikes when I'm high, when I'm running really, really high and like that very manic type of state for several days in a row i will forget to eat mm-hmm. i either will forget to eat or i will have absolutely it's not that i forget no it's that i'm literally not yeah. hungry i'm not thinking of food at all it is quite literally the last thing on my mind because i'm not hungry there's nothing triggering my brain to be like oh we should go eat something you know so i literally will eat like almost next to nothing for several days several days in a row and when i say like i won't recognize that all of a sudden I'll recognize it when all of a sudden I'm having horrible, horrible digestion issues mm-hmm. or I'm having periods of time where like I'm getting horrible cramping and I have to run to the restroom and it's like not good news. And it's like, you know, there's a bet, you know, and there's a couple days because I've malnourished myself to the point now where I'm having like not to be TMI, but someone might relate to this. So hopefully, but like, you know, you get to the point where you are having like horrible, sharp pains and diarrhea for three days mm-hmm. because you have literally forgotten to eat and drink enough water where you are at that state where you're questioning, do I have Crohn's? Like, is there, yeah. is, are, am I okay? Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? And, but you'll forget a month later when it happens again, you're like, oh my God, it's happening again. What did I do this last couple of days? And you don't see the, the big picture of like the whole cycle of where you're at and like how you fluctuate through different things and how what you did last week is going to have a direct, you know, when I can feel myself coming out of those manic states and I can feel myself calming and I can feel myself sinking into almost like those depressive states, I feel a physical response. My bowel movements change. I don't have cramps. I eat everything in the fucking house, like nonstop. I am snacking on everything. I still try to be healthy about it, but I like eat. I can, I don't, like I can't be satiated. Like I'll eat a huge Mm -hmm. lunch. I'll come home. I'll want dinner and then I'll want a snack before bed and then I'll want drinks and I'll want, you know, and it's just like you start seeing the pattern of where you're at and keeping a journal of some kind to help track that can help you kind of see like where, where you're being hit with different Mm -hmm. things. But I think, I think the trouble here is not seeing where you're at, right? Because like, what's the old saying? It's like, it's hard to see the whole picture when you're inside the frame, but that's like, like, you've got to be able to separate yourself. You can at least recognize this is what's really hard for me is self recognize self recognizing. Yes. Like So there's, you as a person, like there's plenty of times throughout the day where I'll feel something's off. My gut will try to talk to me and I'll dismiss it. 
and I won't pay attention to it and I'll move on with my day. And those are the moments you need. Those are the moments where like, hey, if you're sitting there on the toilet and you're having a horrible situation and you're consciously like, shit, what the hell did I do the last couple of days? Like you're recognizing there's obviously something that is out of place and wrong. Mark it down, you know, and then like that kind of thing of like start where you feel uncomfortable. Start where you feel like something's not right here. Because you're not going to see the pattern right away. That's the whole point is that you cannot see the pattern. But if you get like a couple basic things like, okay, what is usually going to be the cause? Like what what did I eat today? What was my water intake? What was my, you know, bathroom situation? What was my mood? What was going, what was the weather like? You know, and you have those key staples that are, there's always going to be something happening, but they're always going to be shifting a little bit. You can start seeing patterns. And that's like, that was a big thing for me is just journaling that, like starting to lead, even if it's not journaling, like recognizing like this happens when this happens, like, okay, you know, and you just get to know yourself a little bit more. You can start to recognize it earlier and hopefully stop it from happening. Yeah. Or just come up with, I mean, you're not going to stop it. You're not going to stop it from happening. It's going to happen. But you can come up with tools to help you not be in a manic state when it does happen because I feel like the more you get to know yourself and you get to know those patterns, it's almost like, oh, okay, this happened, so now this is going to happen. And then after this, like, we're going to eventually get to this and then you can calm yourself down. Mm -hmm. When you're not used to those patterns, you just feel like a crazy person all of the time because you're like, why am I like this again? You know, and then you want to, like, not feel like that and you get fixated on, like, fixing it and then you just make it worse and then it's like, and you don't just allow yourself to be. Mm. And I think that's part of the problem is, like, you don't wreck it. Like, you're always trying to fix something and you you, you don't realize there's nothing wrong with you, though. You just don't think like other people. Like, you're you're not broken. (laughs) You're fine. You just don't think like other people and you have to find your pattern. That's the problem is you don't know your pattern and everyone's trying to fit you into the pattern of a neurotypical person and you are you were never going to fit in that pattern. It's not going to it's just not going to work. It's not built for you. Okay, so two things. One there's an app called Dalio that uh, D A Y L I O that I use. It's tracking. It makes it really simple where it's just like uh, you can put your categories in. It has little icons. You just click them. You say, like, I got this much sleep. I, it's not even a number. Just, like, mine, say, normal sleep, great sleep, bad sleep. Uh, went to bed early, went to bed late, normal. And you just go through and put all the things that apply for that day. I do it in the evening. Um, but you could very easily put all kinds of stuff in there that you want to track. And as long as you have that as part of the routine, it's like, oh, and they have reminders on there that you can do. So you pull it out, it's like 8 p.m., it's like, okay, this happened today. Without any intention of looking for patterns, you now have the information that you could go back later on and be like, holy shit, look at that. Start of the month, every single month. Like, I have three days where I'm exhausted. Huh. And then I have three days where I'm, like, super angry. I didn't realize that. Never known it. Didn't realize it in the moment. But you start to see, like, so that's one way. Like, if it works easier, that's one that I use. Um, crap. What was the other one? I had it. It was something that you so many. I don't. I don't. I don't personally use it. I have a really hard time buying things like money regulations. Difficult for me because <laughs> I'm very impulsive. So I go like buy shit that I'm like, oh, that's cute. Let's just buy it. Amazon Prime is like the best thing ever. So like for apps and things like 
I just, I'm like, everything's a scam and I just don't go buy it. But like, honestly, I should do my research and, and do that. Cause I'm like, I, as you're speaking, like the marketing person in me is like, I'm fascinated by the analytics oh. that I could produce. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'd like to study yeah. myself. <laughs> so I kind of do want to explore some apps and see like what the options are out there. Cause that would be super interesting. But I remember it now. Um, so when you said like, you're never going to be like a neurotypical brain, even on medication. I think that's something really important for this person to understand. The goal is not to be normal. Yes. The goal is to be functioning at the level that you deserve to be functioning at for you. And without help of some kind, it doesn't necessarily have to be medication, but without you know strategies in place or help of some kind, you have decreased function. Like you get in your own way in a lot of ways especially if you have aspirations and goals on what it is that you want to achieve. So if you have strategies that help that and that's all you need, great. If it's medication and strategies, wonderful. If it's, you know, this holistic approach where you have to look, in my case, like there's a lot of steps in order to accommodate what it is that I have going on. Uh, Not because I think mine is more severe, but I just think it's, you know, it's multifaceted. Then it's a little bit more work on my part, but that's the requirement not to be normal, but to function at what I believe I deserve to function at. I think, I think it's the same. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't think of like mental, I don't want to say illness because I don't think it's an illness, but just mental things, mental things that you have to deal with. Like they do with the same respect as like physical mm-hmm. kind of ailments. Like when you were describing that, I was just thinking of like, okay, so what if you're diabetic? You just decide, like, I'm not going to take insulin. Okay, you don't have to take insulin. Your life is probably going to be a lot worse Mm -hmm. if you don't just take the steps to do something a little bit different than somebody who doesn't have this, you know, would have to take. But that doesn't mean your life has to be significantly different. It just means that you have to operate a little bit differently. And there's Mm -hmm. different tools that you need to have to help your body be the best that your body can be. It's like the same aspect, but I think there's this disconnect in society where it's starting to close recently. I feel like it's starting to close, but like people just are like, well, this is a physical ailment, so it's far more important and we need to be very, you know, diligent with how we like, you know, approach this. And it's like, oh, mental, like, but it's like, it's, it's, they're very much the same. Like if you want, you don't have to do all this stuff. You don't have to explore it. You don't have to do anything. You can do whatever you want to do. But the more you explore it, the more you test it, the more you play with it, the more you figure out what works for you, the the more you're going to get out of life, you know? Like, if you're anxious all the time, like, explore that. Why? Start making those fixes. Why? Like, is your house crowded? Clear out your house. Now you won't be as anxious in your house, you know? Or you got too much shit laying around? Clear it out. You know, just start questioning things and across life. I feel like you just start having a better opportunity to, to think about this stuff in that way. Again, I, I think it boils down to the fact that there's no one solution fits all, right? you right. got you got to find what works for you. you got to experiment, you know, and medication or um, mental tricks or whatever can all be great tools, but mm-hmm. they've got to be used properly in the right yeah. doses and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it is what it is. That's just part of life in general. I do think that, you know, like she was saying, that there are aspects of it that really do feel like a superpower. Mm-hmm. Like when you hyper focus on something and when it works in the rare case that it works on the thing that you actually needed to be focusing on, you can get an incredible amount of work done um, when it's something that you're really interested in. And I found this when I was doing plays, like I could memorize a script <clears throat> because I could 
picture like what was going to be going on so now there's this emotional response that goes mm-hmm. with it and i just became absorbed i could memorize it super fast and you know that kind of thing worked out brilliantly and it was because of this so there are cases where it works out to your advantage and you know those are just two easy examples and there's a countless other ones be getting help for what you have going on doesn't take that away it just helps you to manage the aspects of it that again they inhibit like your your day-to-day functioning so like i know at one point like i was nervous to be medicated because i thought you know these aspects of me that mm-hmm. i enjoy like are they are they going to go gonna go away yeah. yeah and no it doesn't um as long as you're on you know, the right ones exactly and that comes back to you know you have to do your work you have to do your due diligence of figuring out like what it is that you need and then you go through the process but um i wouldn't want anyone to be afraid to get help with this because as much as it can be a hindrance it's still very much a part of who you are and you want it's not going to go away just because you get help yeah mm-hmm. all right well let's wrap this bitch up we've been on here for quite a while uh I've, I found this very interesting and informative. Uh, hopefully, you listeners obviously got some good stuff out of Come this as well. Come back with some questions so we can have a round two with some sort of structure. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with structure for? We just had a great there's, conversation. You, there is, but I feel like be, with this topic in general, there's just so many sub-facets of information and tips and topics. And like, there's just that you could literally make an entire podcast from this alone so if there's an elaboration in any particular way, shape, or form, it's good to know what it is going into it so that whatever wormholes are created mm-hmm. or at least can like be brought back because it's really, like I said earlier, it's a matter of looking at a lamp and ending up thinking about like World War III for some fucking reason and nobody knows how you got there. <laughs> That's what the podcasts are going to end up being like. Well, hopefully it hasn't started yet. <laughs> uh, Dane, you have any closing thoughts? There was one thing that uh, we had talked about a little bit where you said, um, you know, the self-awareness now that like you're in your 30s. And I think that for someone who is in college right now to understand that like, the reason that we have any tips or strategies to offer is because we've gone long enough dealing with it and knowing about it that we've had an opportunity to develop these strategies you shouldn't be expected to have all this figured out now. Like this, now that you know, start doing the work and you'll figure some of that out as you go. But the reason that we have any self-awareness is because we were in the exact same position at some one point and made a shit ton of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And you just, you make the mistake, you fuck up, you're like, oh, let's try a different one and move on from that one. Um, but at that same time, like if you can learn those strategies from someone or multiple someone's, that have had the opportunity to develop self-awareness, you get to speed up that process. You get to go through it a little bit quicker. And as someone who went through it painfully slowly, because I didn't do a lot of work other than just being medicated for a couple of years, please do. Like, it's just, it's so much better if you learn from the mistakes of others. And, or and once you get older, you get to call it wisdom of others. <laughs> But yeah, that was one that was kind of lingering just from earlier conversation. Nope, sounds good. Caitlin, any closing thoughts? I would say, especially for someone, if you're speaking of like a college age person or just anyone in general, I mean, this is a lot of information that we're spewing. And for somebody who mm. may not have ever visited this topic or this might be a very 
eye-opening, holy shit, is this me? You know, kind of moment. Just remember to be gentle with yourself. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with you. It's already frustrating enough when you feel like you don't think like everybody else and you can't reach the same results, you know, in the same way as people around you. And it's really, really, really easy to take that that thought and, and make it turn into a negative, self-deprecating situation when, yeah. you know, I, I suck and I know, like, there's nothing wrong with you. We just think differently. And, like, it, it's very interesting to know that, like, it is a superpower when you find where you can think and shine. And so, like, for a college-age person, I would say, like, a lot of kids, like, you know, they, they want to do things differently. But growing up in your parents' household and being in that, you know, whomever's household, you know, you lived under their vision and their view and their guidance – now that you're in school, you're you're finally able to be like you are a free adult thinking like you can just go do things. Yeah. So like it, it's it, it, it you don't realize like when you say that you're like no literally like there's a there was a funny I was laughing the other day because there was a funny another reel there goes Instagram with my lovely you know dopamine boost but. Um, there was a reel of a girl just like sit, like laying in her bed and the, the voiceover thing was like when you're an adult and you remember you have free will and she's just staring at her ceiling and she just gets up out of nowhere, grabs a Sharpie, writes on the um, penis up on the wall and then climbs back into bed and like goes under the covers. And it was just so funny because it was like, no, it doesn't fucking make any sense. But why the fuck not? Who the fuck cares? <laughs> and so it was kind of like that mentality, like when you're in college of like, this is your time to shine. Like, figure it the fuck out. If you need to hang a weird calendar on the wall that's got all this weird shit written in it for you to remember, then hang a weird fucking calendar on the wall. Like, make it happen. Like, you don't need to have your room arranged in the same way it was always arranged as a kid because it makes sense to have the bed against the wall. Put the bed in the middle of the fucking room if that's what works for you. You know, like, this is your time to really embrace your difference. And not, like, shame yourself for it and, like, really just explore it and don't put yourself down. It's so easy when you're in a room full of people who think differently than you and you feel like you are this sore thumb sticking out all the time to, to turn that into mm -hmm. something that you feel negative about yourself for. And that should absolutely not be the case. You're just different and in an awesome way and people just don't know how to respond to it yet. So they get weird about it. But, like, I'm a goofy-ass weird person and when I find my people, I'm, like – yeah like we all just like thrive together this and i'm like you, exactly <laughs> like you find your weirdos and you're like fuck yeah like you know and you just feel empowered by it and it's like you're not you're just not with your group of people and you're there's going to be a lot of times throughout life that you're not going to be with your group of people and that's fine but like there's nothing wrong with you so like go through this exploration with an open mind and just know that there's other ways to look at things and that's what you're exploring and you're not fixing anything you're just thinking of other ways to handle it and thinking of, you know, ways that maybe you could work through things maybe a little bit more efficiently or whatever it is that your goal is, but you're not broken and you don't need to fix anything. Like 
you just think differently and we're all moving through this together and like a, our own little pace and you're fine just breathe <laughs> <laughs> i love it that's great advice uh <laughs> This is a great episode. I had a lot of fun. I think our listeners are going to get lots of good things out of it. And if you do have any questions. Those 10 you know, people out there. Thanks, guys. Dozens. <laughs> it's not just 10. We've got dozens now, damn it. Just uh, kidding. I know. Uh, but write us in and we'll do another one of these for sure. I think this was a lot of fun. So uh, thank you both for sharing so openly and honestly. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. And uh, we will see you guys next time. Bye. That's some good shit. Yeah, that was fun. All right. Well, that wraps up another great episode. Hopefully you guys learned a bunch. I know that I did. That was definitely a lot of fun. And hopefully we can get those two back on together again. They seem to click pretty well and feed off each other. And it was hilarious watching them kind of react to each other as they're describing things. And you can see that uh, the other person had had the exact same kind of experience. And they're just starting to laugh and go crazy. It was, it was pretty fun to, uh, to sit through all that. Uh, if you guys are still listening, thank you so much for all of your support. It really does mean the world to me. Uh, if you could do, um, well, if you want to stop, so help support the show. Wow, I cannot talk today. If you want to help support the show, please go out to wherever you're listening to this and leave the show a five-star review. That really helps the show get bumped up in the rankings, and hopefully that'll lead it to new people. And as always, if you have any questions for any of us, especially about this episode, feel free to drop us a line. You can go to uncensoredhumanity.com, fill out the contact us form, or you can go, send, or you, not go, but you can send us an email at uncensoredhumanitypodcast at gmail.com. Those will land in my inbox, and we will answer those on an upcoming episode. Well, that is all we have time for this week, so we will see you guys next time on Uncensored Humanity. <laughs>